Welcome, sports fans, to the hottest sports podcast in the game, JT and the Don, with your hosts, Jimmy Thompson and Donato Bucci. They're covering the most current issues in sports from the 305 to the 412 and all the way to the West Coast. You can follow them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at JT and the Don or email them at JT and the Don at gmail.com. Now take it away, guys. Welcome to the next episode of JT and the Don. I am the Don Donato Gucci. And remember to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and whatever platform you listen to all of your other favorite podcasts. And remember to leave us a five-star review. Thank you to Nicole Thompson for that great introduction and our guy, Mike Regina, with the awesome pump-up music as always. We have a very special episode because we have a very special guest on our show, a first-time guest, actually, on this episode of JT and the Don. But first, let me welcome in everyone's favorite JT, Jimmy Thompson. How you feeling today? They don't give me those that, that smirk. Bro, you're you, you, you trying to purposely annoy me at the beginning of every show. I, I'm starting to figure out that this is this your strategy. This is like to try to throw me off my. What game, I do? What I do? You know, you know what you did. Look, hey, look. I don't, I don't have to publicly disclose the BS that you're trying to pull behind the scenes, but you know what you did. Anyway, I, listen. I just give to, shout to answer outs. your question. I'm fine. I'm okay. How are you? Are you doing good? Hey, doing great. Great episode ahead of us. Let's let's get let's get right into it. First topic. I know you want to talk about this, JT, because this is this is what you love to talk about. Bro, that is that is code word for you want to talk about it. No. Anything that you want to do, you, you blame me for it. It is all your fault, I must admit. All right. So cool. last Thursday, Kyler Murray agreed to a five-year extension with the Arizona Cardinals worth $230.5 million Ooh. with a hundred, with a hundred sixty million of it guaranteed. With 103.3 million of that fully guaranteed at signing, meaning he's getting that money one way or another. It includes a signing bonus of a little over 29 million. So there's your answer, JT. He's going to get a little over 29 million up front, one check, deposit that. But, JT, was this the right move by the Arizona Cardinals? Well, also to add on to that, he's going to make more next year annual average than the whole Oakland A's roster, which is funny. And why is that funny though? Why is it ironic? Well, because they drafted him. Right. Right. That's, I mean, it's crazy. Like everybody's like, Oh, you know, baseball is where the money is. I think it still is, but man, like not, not with the Oakland A's. It is. Yeah. These, these football contracts, man, I never thought I'd see the day where we're like guys are getting paid two thirty with this much guaranteed money. But I mean, shout out. I mean, they deserve it. They, they generate so much revenue. So good good that they're getting paid right move by the Cardinals yeah I mean we've been talking about this for a while I mean they need him he's a franchise quarterback like you just look at just the skill set that he has he's top six in the NFL like as far as just everything that he can do and are they a playoff team without Kyler Murray no just look at what they were before he got there so they need him to make the playoffs he's gotten better every year I think he's really talented and if you're the Cardinals especially the GM this is what you essentially tanked for you know you guys drafted Kyler Murray you got him Cliff Kingsbury to coach like what did you think you were going to have to do you're going to have to pay him at some point next man up this is the going rate for quarterbacks and you just don't let guys that are as talented as Kyler Murray go like that haunts a franchise forever so they absolutely made the right move 
Well, JT, they they had to do this, right? Because they got rid of Josh Rosen, they fire their coach, they bring in Kingsbury, they bring in like how many times are you going to keep going through like a rebuild, right? But my problem with it is the timing of it. And you know me, I'm a big stickler when it comes you, to it. I, I like, can't stand the timing of it. Literally, anytime we're talking about somebody getting paid, you are, oh, the timing, the timing. This isn't the right time. It's true. It's when, true. When you're an athlete, it's always the right time to well, get paid well, because tomorrow yes. is not guaranteed. Yes, you're correct. But that's not what we're Except, asking. Uh, unless you're a running back. If you're a running back, He's, he's clearly saying it's never the right time. We're asking, though, the right move by the Cardinals, and the timing is part of that move. Terrible, terrible timing. Like, what are you doing? I always go back to the Todd Gurley example, and the Rams had to pay the price for that. If, if other things didn't fall in place, they never win that Super Bowl last year because of the Gurley deal. Like, let the top QBs get signed. You let Mahomes do it, great. Josh Allen do it, great. Let Lamar sign. And then you come in after Lamar signs and you sign Kyler Murray because Kyler should get paid less than all three of those guys I just mentioned. I think we can all agree on that. So why are you trying to set the trend? Why? Like there's no reason for it. You're outbidding yourself. I'll tell you why they're they're doing it. Two reasons. One, it's, it's tricky, especially with quarterbacks, because I look at two examples. One, Deshaun Watson. There's always going to be some team that does something crazy or, as you call it, stupid. And I didn't you, say stupid. You, sometimes, sometimes you want to beat that before it happens, or you do like the Cowboys did, where you could you knew Dak was going to be your franchise quarterback. You knew you were going to sign him, and you kept trying to milk him along to say like, oh, you know, the right time. And they ended up costing themselves unnecessary money when they kind of signed him like two years prior. So I think the Cardinals know. Look. He's our franchise guy. We want him here. Let's get a deal done. And I don't see what the problem is because the Bills did the same thing with Josh Allen and he only had one year of being good. So was that the wrong time to pay him? Like if you got the guy, pay him. You got to keep him happy. But the problem here is let him prove it again. He still has two years left instead of one. He's got two years left under contract. Why Bro, not? You want to you want to run every organization like the Patriots. That shit does not always work. But JT, what is what's Kyler Murray going to do? Go play for the A's? You just said it. He's going to make no money there. So guess what? Next year you don't want if you're not going to play this year. What are you going to do? Sit out? Great, sit out because this is what's going to happen. We're going to stink, and then come next year's draft when there's six top ten quarterbacks. We're going to take one of them and then ship you where you don't want to go and see if they pay you. Like the Cardinals had all the cards. It's all about who has the leverage. In this situation, it was the Cardinals because what are they going to say? Well, let Lamar Jackson sign first. Then we're going to come at you because Lamar has been in the league longer, has won an MVP. Let him set the bar. And then Kyler's going to have to fall underneath what Lamar gets. Just Funny saying. Thing, I know we're going to talk about Lamar Jackson, but let's get into it. Let's That's go. actually an example that I that I forgot to use as far as you don't want to wait to see what happens sometimes because Lamar is the wild card. But you the difference is – You have no Lamar, idea what no, it's no, going to no, look like. No, no, no. But, but this is the difference. Lamar's an MVP. Kyler Murray hasn't sniffed the MVP. And this is the difference. If Lamar comes out and – if Kyler Murray balls out this year, JT, and let's say the Cardinals did not sign him to an extension beforehand, right? Like they didn't do this yet. Kyler balls out, wins MVP. You know what? 
as an organization, I'm like, you write the check, buddy. You want to, instead of, what was it, 160 guaranteed? You want 180 guaranteed? You got it. I, we'll, we'll ante up and we'll give you 190 guaranteed. We'll back up the Briggs truck for there you. There you go. Go prove it, though, because you got two years left. Just saying. Timing was bad. Timing's always bad. All right. We're ready for Lamar. So, JT, what does this mean for Lamar Jackson now? Nothing. I don't I don't even think this matters, to be honest with you, because it still doesn't answer the question. One, do the Ravens even want him? And two, does he want to be a Raven for the rest of his prime? So I don't I don't I don't think this has any bearing on that because I have legit have no idea what's going to happen in those negotiations and where Lamar will play next year. So I think what Khaled is doing is irrelevant to Lamar. I know you keep bringing up, I don't know if Baltimore wants some. All right, let, let's put that aside because that's a whole different argument. What does this mean for Lamar? It's simple because the Cardinals outbid themselves, as I mentioned, with the poor timing. What this means for Lamar, if I'm Lamar Jackson, I'm loving this. I'm sending roses. I'm sending chocolate in a, in a bottle of bubbly to the Arizona Cardinals. Thank you. You've set the market for me. This is the minimum I will get, right? So what it means is, the demand will at least be five years, 230 million minimum. He's actually going to get more. And now Lamar Jackson, if I'm Lamar Jackson, what it means for me, thank you. I'm getting at least 160 million guaranteed. At least I'm getting more obviously, but that's the minimum. And I'm going to get a bigger signing bonus than 30 million. So thank you very much because now the highest average, average annual salaries are Aaron Rodgers at 50.2 million. Kyler Murray second at 46.1, Deshaun at 46, Mahomes at 45, Josh Allen 43. Guess what? Lamar is going to get between at least 46 to 50 now, if not more than 50 million uh, annual average. So but I think that thank you. that's it. That's any quarterback that's going to be up next that, that no, somebody no, no, would consider a no, franchise no, quarterback. But, but that's but but what I'm saying is no, I, I, get what you're saying. I, I agree with you. I agree because with you. It, because you can you can bring up well, whatever Joe Burrow wants. Great, but Joe Burrow's been to a Super Bowl. Lamar's been an MVP. Mahomes won a Super Bowl. Like Josh Allen's at least been to an AFC title game. Like these guys have all done something, but because of what Cleveland did with Deshaun and what Arizona's doing now with Kyler, I mean. It, it, it's 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 Cleveland blowing up girly, it, it's it. blowing up the what's that cleveland pulled the girly it exactly like it's blowing up all the qb contracts so now if i'm at the top like a lamar is or eventually joe burrow is you're loving it if you're those guys all right so we meant i've mentioned lamar in that top tier is lamar a top 10 quarterback this sounds like a jt question he's just trying to create drama here it's actually a question everybody's asking right now. And some people don't think he's a top 10 quarterback. So this is why we have to talk about it. And I'll just say this. I'm, I'm going to throw his, his rushing ability out of the door, you know, the window, because oh, that's the one thing. You got to factor it in, bro. You got to factor it in. No, I, I'm, I just want to throw that out for a second because I know everyone's going to be like, oh, he's a running quarterback. And I'm so tired of hearing about that. I'm just looking at what the guy does. All he does is win and puts a franchise on his back. 37 and 12 in 58 games. 10,000 passing yards and an MVP and 64% completion for his career. And he's still on his rookie deal. Like you look at last year, he had more total offense than like 14 NFL teams. If this were anybody else, 
besides Lamar Jackson, we wouldn't even be talking about whether or not he's top 10. It's clear he's top 10. And he, I'll say this again. He is doing more with less. That offense and the weapons they have are some of the worst in the league when you look at other teams. And this system is really not conducive to what NFL players really want to play in, which is why receivers don't go there. So he's doing all this in spite of what Baltimore is doing wrong. And that alone, to me, makes him top 10. Well, the last comment you made, not the top 10 part, but the part about Baltimore and, and you know, not using him correctly and things like that, I disagree because we always talk about fitting the system around guys. And that's what they're doing, JT. You're just presuming that if he had the Cincinnati Bengal weapons, if he had the weapons that Mahomes had, you're just presuming Lamar's going to ball out like those guys and do even better. But maybe this is the system where he can thrive in, and he doesn't necessarily need all of these great pieces to do what he does. But the question is, at some point, just like it is with every quarterback, you heard it with Marino, you heard it with Elway for a long time, can he win the Super Bowl? And unfortunately, that's how quarterbacks are judged at the end of the day. I think it's a little unfair, but that's how they're judged. Right? But, but, but here's the thing, though. I get what you're saying. Ultimately, like in GOAT conversations, yeah, winning in the big moments does count. But we're talking about a guy that's still on his rookie deal. Like, oh, he's, like, he's so like, young. Like, he's like, still what, young. Like, like, what is Josh Allen won? Like, nothing. What Joe Burrow went to a Super Bowl, and you've called it the the, the flukiest playoff run maybe ever. Like, he like there's Kyler Murray. We just talked about him. Like, what has he won? Like, this dude has an MVP. If this if Joe Burrow had an MVP already, they would have extended him. Patrick Mahomes. You know why they extend him? Because he played like an MVP. So if if, if your whole if your whole thing is well, I only want to base my starting quarterback based on if he can win playoff games. Like, bro, that list is really short. A lot of guys don't get it done in the playoffs. It, it's unfair. I told you, but that's the way they're judged. But but this is the thing. I, I think it goes back to Ben. I think Ben in his prime was underrated because of the team. People always look at the consistency of the team. And I think that's the that's unfortunate, but that's the way people look at Lamar is, well, that Ravens organization, defense, special teams, run the ball, grind it out, win, consistency. Like anyone could do that there. And it's like, well, not really, not the way Lamar does it, but be, he's just, it's unfortunate love- because he plays for the Baltimore Ravens. It's and like the, and- it's like Ben. If if Aaron Rodgers was was with the Steelers, I don't know if he'd get as much publicity as he does in Green Bay because yeah, because he's the a, Steeler, he's a show. The, exactly, the Steeler organization would have a lot of other pieces, and I feel like Baltimore yeah. always has that defense that kind of supersedes Here, the quarterback. Here's the thing. I'll, here's the thing I'll say, and then we'll move on. Um, because I know you want to talk about Trey. Baltimore better be careful because they're in a very dangerous situation. I almost hope he leaves because I do think he has the skills to play in, in a lot of systems. Like Andy Reid, Michael Vick could play in an Andy Reid system look like an MVP. Like Lamar would do just fine. Baltimore, say it, say what you want. They exactly haven't been the same since Ozzie Newsom has been gone. And I think Lamar is putting band-aids on a lot of bad decisions that have been made since Ozzie's been gone. And I think them letting him go would be like the icing on the cake to be like, ah, Baltimore is not who we thought they were because Ozzy had been so great for so long. But see, JT, it goes back to, I think 
you're presuming they don't want them and they're going to let them walk. That's never going to happen. That's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. They have them for the fifth year and then they can franchise tag them, franchise tag them. Like he, they're going to play hardball, which listen, it is a dangerous slope, but it doesn't mean he's going to leave because they're going to have. Well, they, they can play, they, they feel like they can play that game because they're, they're betting on what the noise says. Right. He'll get hurt at some point and we won't have to. Well, not only that, maybe they're like, hey, you've got to prove you can win in the playoff with this team that we put around. Give me give me something. That's my whole point. Give me something. They're not going to go trade for an A.J. Brown. Well, they're not going to they're not going to spend in free agency. They never do like especially offense. So that's how they want to win. And they guess what? That's what I'm saying. When you had Ozzy, you could do that because I, I, I trust him drafting guys. They have not drafted well on offense. To, they to, have answer, to answer the question, I've got Lamar in the top 10. I'll give you a number. I've got him at number eight, but I have oh. him in the top. I have him in the top 10. All right. I so, got him as a top eight quarterback, too. Okay. Cool. So Shanahan, meaning Kyle Shanahan of the 49ers, uh, said on Tuesday that they have moved on to trade Lance. So JT. We know what that means for Jimmy G now. You're not the starter in San Francisco. So is it the right move by the 49ers? Yeah, I mean, they have to make this move. One, they they spent a high-ass draft pick on Trey Lance and gave up all this capital. So they're tied to him for the next four or five years. I think it's a good move also because I know everyone always wants to throw in the stats. Oh, like Jimmy G wins his record when he plays versus when he doesn't play. Here's the thing. You can say all that and give me all those analytics. What's their ceiling with Jimmy G? We've seen it. And I think Trey Lance has the upside to kick them into a different gear. And I think that alone is worth turning it over to him at this point. Like you're invested financially, but this is why you drafted him because talent wise, he's a superior upgrade from Jimmy G. So absolutely it's the right move to turn it over to him, see what he's got. And let's see how far we can take this great Kyle Shanahan scheme. Like, I don't, he, he hasn't had a quarterback this dynamic since RG3, his rookie year. And, like, look how that team just took off. Like, there were people thinking that they could go to the Super Bowl until RG3 got hurt. So I'm excited to see what Lance does. And the sky's the limit if he can, you know, catch on to the system. Yep. I actually – I totally agree with you, believe it or not. I mean, this is why they drafted him that high. At some point, you got to let him go. I'm a big believer of waiting, and they did that for a whole year – I think two years, it'd be different if Brett Favre was in front of him. We're talking Jimmy G. And I I hate to harp on it and have his career come down to one throw. But that fourth quarter against the Chiefs and that one throw, if he hits it, it's it's ballgame, Super Bowl champ. And unfortunately, people want to say you can't judge it. I agree. But guess what? In the NFL, come Super Bowl playoffs, that's the thin line is maybe that one throw. And if you think now Trey Lance gives you a different edge, you got you got to roll with it. And they the play thing, you different. They got to play you different when he's in the game. Right. And the other thing too with Jimmy G is, listen, maybe he can win a Super Bowl, but you have to have a historic defense in a great running game. And again, that presumes no injuries. Everything is everything. You know I mean? Perfect. Exactly. I'm not saying I'm not saying he's Trent Dilfer, but it's a Trent Dilfer type situation. He's closer to Trent Dilfer than, you know, Tom Brady or Joe Montana or Dan Marino or John Elway. Exactly. Worst thing that ever happened to Jimmy G is that Tom Brady is Tom Brady. Cause I feel like if he would stay in new England, that would have been the perfect place for him. But right here we are college football. Can we do it? Let go.
all right, I know we're going to have a preview show at some point. So we're going to be minimal on college football content for a while, but we got to talk about Kirby Smart. So he was speaking at the Texas High School Coaches Association convention, and he said that it's a reverse system right now where the bottom coming in is getting rewarded more than the top going out. And that's tough. So, of course, this is in reference to the NIL deals and college football players. He also mentioned and seemed to complain that too much money a month for players will make them not more successful in life. Meanwhile, of course, he just signed a 10-year contract extension worth $111 million, all guaranteed. Hey, you always say, go get that bag. Hey, that check, that check cleared. Georgia, that Georgia money is good. So, of course, I got to ask you. Do you agree with him or is he being a hypocrite? I don't agree with him, but I'm not going to go so far as to say he's a hypocrite, hypocrite either, JT, because to be honest, I just think he is he's wrong. He's wrong on two parts. Like he's saying that they won't be successful in life because they're making so much money early on because they're not going to know what to do with it, how to handle it. That's that's not up to you to decide. That's for the players to find out. And, and in fact, it's good that they learn early with the money. Cause if they blow it now, then when they get to the NFL and sign a contract, they're like, Oh, hold on. I've been here before. Like, you know, first time, you know, as they say, shame on you second time, shame on me. So if it happens again, then you're like, you know what? You didn't learn your lesson, but at least now they can learn in college while they're not dealing with $20 million contracts where they still have the potential later on to make money. So let them learn now. Let them learn that, hey, there's taxes to be paid. You know, agents going to take a certain percent. Like, that's good. That's what you, you want people to learn early. And that's what this is about, in my opinion, part of it. And he doesn't seem to want them to learn. He wants them not to make it. So what's the other alternative? Not make any money and they got to leave early? Actually, Kirby Smart NIL helps you because now you can get all the top guys and they might be willing to stay beyond just the three years or the two years that they actually play. And then the other part, the reason why I, I, the other part is, you know, you talk about the reverse system and people thought he was a hypocrite because he's a younger coach and, and now is getting paid. Whereas guys that have been around 20, 30 years, aren't making as much. Well, at the same time, guess what? He did win a national title. He, he took Georgia over the hump. So there's merit there of why he's getting that extension. It's not just based on potential anymore. Like he's filled out on that. And listen, unfortunate that guys that are coming in are making more than guys that are going out. It is unfortunate, but there's still at least that possibility out there. It's almost like he's saying that there should be no NIL because of all of these things. And I know he's not saying it, but that's the perception. But I just think he's wrong where he's saying they're not going to making this much a month for players will not make them more successful in life. Well, it's not going to hurt it. it it's going to at least give them an advantage to succeed more than if they weren't making it. So it doesn't mean it's going to completely help them, but at least they're getting that advantage to be able to help them be more successful. And I think that's what everyone wants, right? That ability to be able to be more successful, whether it works out, that's, that's always the question in life happens with coaches, happens with players, you know, happens in regular jobs. Yeah. I mean, I don't think anybody's going to dispute that Kirby smart didn't deserve this extension. I mean, 
bro, he took out Bama. <laughs> like, if you could take out Nick Saban in this era for a national championship, like, you're worth whatever they're going to – whatever you ask for. So, he's done well since he went to Georgia, recruited well, and he's actually elevated them. So, can't complain about that. But I agree with you. Not only is he wrong, but he is a hypocrite in my opinion. So, you want to talk about, you know, the new guy coming in, not making as much as the old guys? Bro, he made more than Mark Rick at the end of his career than when he than when Kirby Smart first got to Georgia. So you made more than the old heads when you started out. So I don't understand why you have such a problem with the players doing the same thing. That's free comp. That's free enterprise. That's the cost of doing business. But here's what I really don't like about the tone about what he's saying. To me, what I hear is, oh, these guys play better when they're struggling financially. So they're always chasing that carrot of like, oh, I got to get to the NFL to support my family and make money. So I got to run through a brick wall and do it, do whatever is necessary to get to that point. Do whatever Kirby Smart says. Exactly. So what you're doing subconsciously is admitting that it's a system that exploits people. And now with NIL, you no longer can do that. And now it puts the players in the position of a partnership rather than, you know, this dictatorship situation. That's the one thing I was really kind of like it rubbed me the wrong way. It's like, oh, so you don't think you can get somebody to play hard for you and perform if you reward them. Like, like that makes no sense to me. Like guys are going to play like you act like if I get an aisle deal, I'm like, I just don't want to make it to the NFL anymore. But guess what? If that is the case, that means you just have to be that much better at your job. You have to be better at evaluating kids. You have to be better at evaluating their character. You actually have to get to know them rather than just saying like, all right, cool. These are the 10 fastest, best guys in the country. I'm going to take them in. Whichever one fails, we'll just replace them. Like, no, like you have to put in more work. But I don't think it will be a problem at all. Like these kids deserve to get paid. So I definitely think he was wrong. He's a hypocrite. And it really also gives me the Roger Goodell NFL owner vibe as well, where it's like his job is to speak on behalf of the universities to where they make the best business moves for themselves and they don't have to shout this extra money. So I understand why he's saying it because they pay him, but still you're wrong. And I feel like as these coaches keep talking like this, it's going to rub players the wrong way and, maybe you're not going to start getting some of those guys that you normally get just because you're Georgia. So just be careful. Yeah. You would think you bring up a good point where, you know, Oh, they're because they're getting paid. They're not going to, they're not going to play as hard. Actually, you would almost think it's kind of the opposite because it's not like they're getting a Kyler Murray, $29 million signing bonus. What are they getting? Half a million dollar in this NIL I mean, but, deal. But some, but some guys are getting big deals, but also like, but, they, like, like, but what, the thing what, is what, JT, what makes, what makes you think that, or if let's say if I get a one million dollar nil, what makes you think that that that's all I want? Like but that's I the, want more. But, but that's what I'm saying. They get a little taste of it, and they're like, "Yo, this is only a million. I just saw what Kyler Murray did. What if I work hard? I saw what Aaron Donald's getting. If I work a little bit harder, this one million is now a hundred million dollar contract. Like that little taste. You know, if if you have recruited the right guys and you're coaching them the right way, and you have the support system around them. That's the way they're probably or should be thinking is, wow, like got a million for this. Can you imagine if I went SEC player of the year? You know, when I get to the NFL, I'm going to be making this much. So or or if, or if I win, you know, conference player of the year, like, oh, next year, like what, what will people be want be lining up to offer and work? Right. With me? So what like, NIL deal can I yeah. get? Because I got to come back anyway. I'm not three years removed from high school. Yeah. Bottom line, I feel like I do think 
I do think it is part of they don't think that they'll work as hard because that's what they know. But also, too, I just think that they're just not ready to deal with these kids in a partnership capacity. And that's going to be a culture shock. And you're going to have to get used to that. Yeah. Um, so this next thing on the list, this is unbelievable. This, this is definitely all JT. This is all JT because I'll tell you what, everything if this, this was Sidney Crosby and the Pittsburgh Penguins, we wouldn't be talking about. That's not true because we've talked he, about Crosby he, more no, than any no, hockey player on this show. Why, oh, we have. We have. Oh, we go have. run the tape. We yeah, have. I'll go run the tape. I'll go run, run the, the tape. tape. There's no tape on it. There's yeah, no tape, the tape on it. We don't talk run hockey. The tape. We don't talk hockey. All right. Listen, late last Friday night, the Calgary Flames. Funny, aren't you working in our studio in Calgary right now? I am. I am. Do you have something to do with it? This is exactly – now I see why you want to talk. There's two reasons why you want to talk about it. Okay, the Flames traded star it's Matthew a, it, It's an NIL deal. Yeah, I bet you it is. Yeah, you're getting a little kickback. The Flames traded star forward Matthew Kachuk along with a conditional fourth-round 2025 pick to – oh, Oh, JT's Florida Panthers, who he only wants to talk about when they do good things or make a trade. In exchange for Jonathan Huberdeau, Mackenzie uh, Wegar, and Cole Schwint in a lottery-protected first-round 2025 pick. The Panthers then signed Kachuk to an eight-year extension, which he was not willing to do in Calgary, worth $76 million. So, JT, besides this being your question, because the Panthers are involved and you're up in Calgary, who won this trade? <laughs> First of all, I have a real issue with what you said. I've always been a Panthers fan. I've told you many, many times. First I time still have about I them. still have the Van Beesbrook jersey <laughs> in my closet. I still got the beanie with me here. Actually, never seen it. Never seen it. So you uh, obviously you don't, don't rep you don't it. Ask. I've you always don't been a Panthers fan. You don't Biggest, Biggest issue with them is they used to play at the Miami Arena growing up, so it's easier to go to the games. Now they're all the way out in Sawgrass, so it was a little bit farther of a drive, but still keep up with them. Now, funny thing about this is I think this is like the first sign-in trade in like NHL history, right, where like they had a contract in place as soon as the guy got traded and he just signed it right away. Like I don't think that's ever happened. I, I'm but, sure it has, but it does. it's not, you know. It's not. It's rare. That common, yeah. <sighs> So it's really hard to grade who won because I, I feel like you look at the media and everybody's like, oh, yeah, Florida just just got taken to the cleaners like the Panthers. Like, it, it, like you just look at it on paper. We gave up really good players. We gave up draft capital. We gave up uh, a really good prospect like it, for for this one guy. But here's the thing. I, I don't think you can truly say who won this until the trade deadline next year. But I'm just going to go with what I think right now. And I think it's the Panthers for a couple of reasons. One is because the guys that we got rid of, so you got Uyghur, who I think to me probably, you would agree is a top five defensive player in the league. Uh, I, ooh, top five? I don't know, but he's he's a really solid he's up, defensive. He's up there. He's going to yeah. he, help and teams Huberto, in the playoffs. Yeah, Huberto is, is, a, is a scoring machine. He had, what, like 115 points last year alone. One, he was fourth one, in MVP voting. So 115, yep. So we gave up really good players. But here's the thing. Those guys have one year left on their deal. So for Calgary, it's essentially a one-year rental, or you're going to have to commit to signing them long-term. Or here's the, here's the worst-case scenario. Let's say they go to Calgary and it doesn't work out. You're essentially going to be shopping those guys at the trade deadline. And then if that's the case, then the Panthers 100% won this deal because we got an excellent player. 
and we already have him signed. And guess what? He's only, what, 25? So I like what the Panthers did. They got a star player. They got rid of guys that they probably weren't going to be able to retain, and they created cap flexibility for the future. And you look at the deal he signed, he's not even in the top 10 paid players next year on, like, annual average. He's, what, $9.5 million? Like, that's really, really good value for a player that's that good and that young. And I'll say this to finish it off. It looks on the surface, of course, we gave up a lot, but I just feel like this guy has a little bit more edge too. like he can do all the offensive stuff, but he just has like a little nasty edge to him. And I think you need that when you're trying to take out somebody like the lightning. So I'm all for the move. I think we want it short term and I think we're going to end up winning this deal long term. This Again, JT type question. This isn't even a question. There's there's one answer. It's really simple. And it's that the Florida Panthers won the trade. One, anytime you get a superstar, especially in hockey, usually in hockey, you win the trade. You look at the Wayne Gretzky trade. You look at the Penguins trading Yarmir Yager to the Washington Capitals. You know what we got in return. Like the superstar, whoever gets the superstar always wins. That's one. All right. Two, the age difference. Huberdo is about five years older now than Kachuk. So you got a guy that is younger and Kachuk had 104 points. Then you've got to look at what you said. Great point. I had the same thing. You gave up two guys, meaning the Panthers, that are on one year expiring contracts for a guy now that you've signed for eight years. There's another one. Then the other thing you got to factor in that the Flames, JT, lost via free agency, Johnny Goudreau. He had 115 points. So you're trying to replace 115 points he had, 104 points Kachuk had with a guy that is 29, I think, going on 30 on an expiring contract in Uberdo. So there's another reason why you lost. I mean, it just it it's just. It's bad. And if, if you it's look bad. at the media, like, like everybody was like, the how Panthers you got killed it. in this deal. I, I didn't hear that. That's why I was like, I, what are you I, talking I've, about? I've, I've literally been seeing that everywhere that I read, like, oh, like we overpaid to get this really good player. No, we because, too much. Because the problem is you're seeing, why did Kachuk not want to sign there long-term? Why did Goudreau not want to? What makes you think Uberdo is? So that would be my mindset as a Calgary fan is, yeah, this is great for one year, but I don't think – they're going to re-sign Uberdo to a long-term deal. So there you go. You've lost it. Now you bring up a good point. If they do sign them long-term, then it's a little bit more I, interesting. I think it's a little bit different. It's a little bit different. But still, he's five years older than Kachuk. So you still won the deal. And listen, I don't know if Cole Schwint will be – I mean, they're talking about third-round pick in 2019. Like, he could be a good player, but I don't see him being like Uberdo or Kachuk. Yeah, he's not at this level. I mean, so – I think I, I think know, it's I think it's easy. It's the Florida Panthers. That's exactly well, why you I'm glad it. we I'm glad we agree on it because it seems like our GM is being really aggressive. I know he's taking flack, but hey, you got if you're gonna swing for the swing, swing for the fence, man. Well, don't say our GM, your GM. It's all me, not you. Yeah, I know yeah, I know you're a big you said you our GM. About them. You said our GM. Relax there. Yeah, me, 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 myself, and I. You're only awesome. worried about we yourself. See, we see we agreed on hockey. I thought you were going to go the completely opposite way, but hey, here we are agreeing with you on a Tuesday. On a Tuesday. So I want to talk about this because um, while I was stuck in a hotel, I actually had to catch up 
on the Pivot podcast. Great podcast, by the way. Ryan Clark and those guys do an excellent job. And they had Jamarcus Russell on. And it, it was really interesting to hear his story because I feel like we've never heard how things went from his perspective. But, you know, he was basically on there and they were talking about, you know, his career in, in, in Oakland and, you know, how does he feel about he's always going to be talked about as the biggest bust of all time. So it got me thinking after you heard him talking, you know, all his comments, do you blame him more or less for what happened with the Raiders after hearing his side of the story? Blame. I, I don't, I'm not sure that's the right word. So I, I'm not blaming him. Like well, I, I'll change I'm it. not sure that's change, the right word. It. Do you, do you, do you think his lack of success, do you think he's more responsible or less responsible after hearing this interview? I, Still not the right one? That's probably the right one. I'm going to say that. You can say neutral, too. I, well, like it's still that's what I was going to say. I'm going to say neutral, and I'm going to say the reason why is I will say that I actually there is some more respect that I have for him now because he appears to realize he was a bust and he can joke about it. And, and listen, at the end of the day, sports. I don't, I don't think he was joking about it. I well, feel like, I, th- I feel he, like he, he was he like, was. I'm okay. And he was, yeah, he was getting a little a, bit serious. And I think that kind of altered the path of the conversation. Well, I, I think he was still joking with it saying, Hey, put the biggest on it. Right. And he used a swear word and blah, blah, blah. But, but also this is why I have a little bit more respect for him at the end, JT. I don't know if you if you saw this, if you saw the whole thing, but in that interview, he he actually owns up to it. And in the end, he ends up saying, let me let me pull it up here because I, I think I think it needs to be read. Here it is. He said, and I quote here, I regret that I wasn't about to become the football player that I once wanted to be as a child. Some you know, swear. Yeah, I remember there. that. Like Dan, like, Mar- I, I, like Dan, Mar- like Dan Marino. I regret that I couldn't be that guy. Forget who everyone else wanted me to be. It was about who I wanted to be for myself. End of quote. And I think right there is why I gained a little bit of respect because a lot of guys would avoid it and they wouldn't say that stuff. But you could see he's hurt by it in that he didn't turn out the way he thought. Like you said, forget other people, forget what you and I thought in that going number one overall. It's what he thought he could be. He didn't he didn't fulfill. And that's what he regrets. And he almost makes it sound like he almost didn't take it serious enough. And now he regrets that because he can't have it back. I think I think we're going to get to the same answer, but I'm going to I think we're going to have different paths to get there. I actually, I I definitely gained more respect for him after listening to the interview because I just have never heard him talk about like his side of the story. There's always two sides to a conflict. And at first I kind of laughed and was like, oh, well, you know, like he still doesn't take it serious. But then when you listen to the rest of it, it it sounds like he took it serious. I will say this. I, I, I do take the, I'll say blame down a little bit for him after listening to this because I think there's just so many things that he talked about that if he was, if he was drafted in another era, like, like right now, I think he would be in a much better spot where it's like, they just didn't have access to to tell their side of things. Like just think about all the stuff he had to deal with. Like 
and some people some guys can't help this like some guys they're they're family guys they need their support system whatever that may be and you know now what will happen is if somebody is drafted that high and especially a quarterback they're going to tailor the experience on the team around them whether it's on the field in the playbook or behind the scenes with support system and i feel like with him the only guy that wanted him was al davis and nobody else wanted him so he had to deal with that, which as a professional you do, but it's very rare for somebody to be a number one overall pick or quarterback and nobody in the building wants you but the owner. And then on top of that, you know, you have all these other things going on. It's like, I feel like they were purposely sabotaging him because they knew how big of like a support guy he was and what he needed and they didn't give it to him. So I thought that was a little wrong on the Raiders standpoint. So I just feel, yeah, I think it's obviously still, he still has blame. Like he didn't put in the work, like he didn't perform. So like, that's always going to be on him. But I think the Raiders blame went up way more, in my opinion, because everybody's just, the story was always, you know, he didn't work hard and he sucked. And I just feel like you just listen to him talk. People did not want him. And you can see like step-by-step him describing how like they would set kind of pitfalls for him. Yeah. But JTC, that's where I won't go as far and say, oh, the Raiders this, or I don't blame him as much. At the end of the day, you're responsible for yourself. And in fact, the story goes, I believe, the Raiders would send him home with DVDs, right, to tell him to watch it. They'll break it down after. He'd come back. They'd ask him about certain things that he saw, and he'd answer them like he watched the DVD. And JT, guess what? Those DVDs were blank. Blank, yeah, I know. So to me, even if they're setting you up, Listen, the Cardinals, get, I, I, I get, the Cardinals put in a four-hour mandatory a week yeah, but, but who does study, that? Who, independent who, study in the contract does, of Kyler Murray. But who does so, that, though? Like, like, like I'm, you're already paying me. Why are you tricking me? Like, how about you talk to me? I feel like, I feel like the biggest issue with the whole thing, like whether, whether you're, you're, you're pro Raiders or pro Jamarcus, I'm kind of in the middle on both, is it was just bad communication all the way around. And I feel like in enough. that instance, I'm going to put a little bit more onus but, on the adults in that but, situation. Like, this, Jay, is a, this is a whoa, young whoa, kid. Whoa, 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 whoa. He's a young kid. No, no, he just, no, no, he just no, came no. from college. Listen, listen. Once you get to the pros, man. It's you're on your own. All if right. you're still in you. college, if you're still I in college, you. I give you the benefit of the doubt. But once you. you get to the pros and you sign that $100 million guaranteed contract, listen, you, you become just like everybody else in the – in, in real life, you know what I mean? Like in, in adulthood. So I will say this, but, uh, two things. One of the best quotes I think he said, and it's so true. It's like, you know what? You can say how you want to. That situation was so volatile and toxic. You put oh, no Tom doubt. Brady or Peyton Manning on those, no they're not good. And, no then, and then another thing is, you know, you just think about like, it just, he just, it's weird how a guy, I mean, obviously he still had talent. He, just, he never even got another shot as a backup. And that was that was like the saddest thing. But, it was like, we're just done with you. But JT, that's I think that's why people criticize him. Like everyone else got a second chance. It doesn't matter. Like even RG3, Rick Meyer, uh, Ryan, we're, we're, Ryan we're Rick Meyer got a chance. You know, Ryan we, Leaf we'll, got a chance. We'll say this conversation for another time because we've talked about this offline before how black quarterbacks very rarely get the chance to be backups after they don't perform as starters no but what i'm saying is rg3 who they all thought was done with injuries and everything did he not go to baltimore ryan leaf ended up being a backup in dallas rick meyer ended up being a backup with the raiders and those are all the top like three draft picks but what i'm saying is they saw his work ethic compared to a guy like rg3 
Rick Meyer, Ryan Leaf was a different situation. Yeah, yeah we're gonna we, we'll probably end up talking about him right now. <laughs> yeah, like Ryan Leaf was a different situation. I, I, fair enough. Like if he got a second chance, probably Jamarcus. Is that Marcus should have got a second chance? Like, I guess. I guess I just can't believe I look at that situation. You know, now looking back at the past, I'm like, nobody thought that. Like, oh, like it's universally known the Raiders are a shit show, and it's like nobody was like, you know what. This kid was talented enough. They were like, all right, I'll bring him in and fix him. See, so that's what bothers me. But that's my whole point. What I was getting to was I think they saw his work ethic. He came out of shape, couldn't get along with teammates. And they're like, that talent anymore is not worth yeah. what it could cost at a locker room. That's all yeah, I'm we'll saying. I, I think coaches right. saw that work ethic issue. Well, obviously, we're talking about Jamarcus. So I'm just going to get straight to it. Is he your biggest bust in sports history? Man, it would be an easy. No, it's, 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 it's him it would, or it's somebody else. Yeah, it would be an easy argument to make it for him, but I'm going to go with the other guy. I'm going to go with Darko Milicic. I think, I think it's dark. I don't know if you were thinking about it, but that's who I've got. Listen, JT, there's four things in my book in the dawn of sports definition of bust that has to occur. All right. Injury is not one of them, but potential. You have to have that potential. You would have had to have been worth that where you were selected. The lack of production, how long you were in the league for a number of games, obviously the less, the more of a bust you are. And then what other guys that team could have drafted or signed. That's probably the best draft of the last 30 years. Exactly. And that's why Darko knocks each of those four categories out of the ballpark. Potential was there. Went number two overall. International player, tall guy, could shoot, could do everything, right? He would actually, like, he and, was kind of they, ahead of his time. They, like, you listen, a, to, you listen to people, like, now, like, I've seen him on, like, podcasts talk about Darko. Like, he was legit. Like, right. he could play. That's what I'm saying. So, the potential was there. There was a reason why, like, like, I think you might be going down the other path with an NBA guy, but there's a reason why I didn't select that other guy. And we can talk about him later if you don't mention him. But then this is the other thing, right? Pistons win a title his first year. He doesn't really play. Hey, you always say, oh, it's about the situation. He's in a great situation here. Great situation. He can sit. He can learn. No pressure. All right. He plays only 468 games in his career. I think, yeah, the years were a lot, but the games weren't that much because he retired at 28. That's why he was like, I'm done. I know I'm not good. I'm done. At 28, he retired. Career average, six points, 4.2 boards, 0.9 assists. Best season came with the Minnesota Timberwolves. 8.8 points, 5.2 boards, 1.3 assists. JT, he later goes on and fails in kickboxing as a career. The guy's floundering. All right, right, we get it. You you got to keep piling on it. This is the reason. Hey, we're trying to make an argument. Biggest bust. Listen, this is the reason why he's the biggest bust. You got number one, LeBron James in that draft class. Nothing he could do about that, right? Detroit couldn't get, couldn't get LeBron. Then he goes Darko. Then the next three, I forget the order. Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, Carmelo Anthony. Bro, four of those five guys are Hall of Famers. Hall of Famers. I mean, you've got to be the biggest bust. Like, I hate doing this to Darko because he seems like a really good guy. He's, he's gone on and, and kind of just gotten out of the limelight and good for him for that. But JT, four I think, of I think those, with Darko. Like, like Detroit 
had a 75% chance of getting a Hall of Famer. And they got yeah. this guy who wasn't even an all-star. Like, give me a couple all-stars and you're not even on this list. Yeah, I mean, just I just, Darko's a great choice. I, I mean, he would be in my top five. But the only thing with him is, I think it's it's weird to say, I think he was maybe just an era too early. and all, Maybe. And also, um, this probably don't get talked about enough. I just think sometimes when guys come from different cultures to the NBA, like you just expected them to just come in and just adapt. And I think it's sometimes harder for people to do that. Like, I'm sure it's hard sometimes for like guys that come from the States to go overseas and play and like just automatically adopt, adapt to that culture and that style of play. So I don't know if, cause I, I'm, that Pistons team was obviously great at that time, but I just don't know like if a guy like Darko comes in and like, he just, gels like culturally with that team and like and that can and that can be very hard and make make them make you make your uh your path to success a little bit harder but like you said they paying you bro they took you number two overall bro you got to perform yeah. luka Doncic could do it you could do it so and that, there were guys the before that. that's the thing jt there were guys before him if this was 1980 i would agree like that's a tough adjustment no yeah, internet everybody, everybody, nope. everybody's different but i i, mean, I agree but that's a great point i gotta go with ryan leaf and oh, okay. Just be- I thought you were okay. Okay. No, I got to go with Ryan Leaf, and it's because you think about this, and this kind of plays into Jamarcus Russell. Nobody wanted to give him a shot as a backup, and I know you were saying it's because oh, they looked at his work ethic and they saw oh, he's not working. I just think at the time in the NFL, I just think teams just weren't that high on him, and it was just he was probably the best quarterback prospect that year from a good school, and you know he had tools. Like and Al, da- and Al Davis, you and mentioned Al Davis. And, and Al Davis always makes a pick that is a little bit of a he stretch. Would, Al Davis high. made the freak show pick, and that's really that's really why it was number one. It wasn't that the league was in love with him. And you look at Ryan Leaf; that wasn't the case. Like there was a legit split between <laughs> is it him or Peyton Manning. <laughs> and looking back, how crazy does that sound? So because people thought he was good enough to be taken over Peyton Manning, and then, of course, I don't even have to go down what happened to him in his NFL career, played less games than Jamarcus Russell, and you were supposed to be the next Peyton Manning or better, yeah, you got to be the biggest bust of all time because everything he did was self-inflicted. Like, he just could not handle being in the NFL, and he took it worse. Like, he did criminal activity. So got to put Ryan Leaf at the number one, just immature and, you know, substance abuse problems. So... I don't think there's any way around that. Oh, and, I, and hold on. And I'll throw this in too. He actually went to, because I look at the three quarterback bus. It's him, Jamarcus, and Achilles Smith. Mm-hmm. Two of those franchises, I think most people would have failed in. The Bengals were terrible, and it's the Raiders. The Chargers, um, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not saying they're I'm not saying they were great, but their track record as a franchise is better than if, those other guys. If you're talented and you go to the Chargers, you're supposed to do something. He so, couldn't make it work there. But JT, this is maybe why I put Jamarcus though in front of Ryan Leaf based on my criteria. The potential is because you go number one compared to two. Obviously, the Colts did not view Ryan Leaf the way they viewed Peyton Manning, right? So maybe the Chargers missed that. And then the other thing is with, with Jamarcus. You got to remember, three Hall of Famers went after him. Adrian Peterson, Megatron, and Joe Thomas. I'm looking at the 1990. And I, the, I, and I heard that the Raiders, other than Al Davis, everybody wanted Calvin Johnson. 
See, that's the thing. So, like, my thing is you look at who went after Leaf. I'm looking at only one Hall of Famer, Charles Woodson. So you maybe can make an argument that, man, they missed out on Charles Woodson. But that's one compared to the Raiders missing out on three guys. And those are three franchise-type changing guys. Depends on how you see Joe Thomas. But Adrian Peterson, Megatron, those can change franchises when you put another guy around them. But nobody, but nobody ever said before that draft, oh, Jamarcus Russell is going to be a generational talent. Like, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. Like, you just didn't hear that. If if anything, there was more people detracting, like, why they shouldn't take him. So I Ryan think, Leaf, it was like, okay, like, either him or Peyton goes one, and both of them are going to be I, in Canton. Right. Like, it, the expectations for him is different, and I'm telling you, that's the reason why I think he got to hang around in the league as a backup despite all his problems, because – People viewed him as all right. It didn't work out, but we still believe the in his talent. talent. We can right. bring him in and fix it. Where I just don't think anybody wanted Jamarcus, and I think that's also why I give him a little bit more leeway. It's like okay, imagine going to a sport where it's like you played good enough to be the top pick, and like nobody in the league wants you. Like that's 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 weird. Okay, okay so you sold me Ryan Leaf bigger bust than Jamarcus, but. I don't think Darko, you're gonna, I mean, you're, I mean, you're not going to field in like four sports. I mean, okay, that's a good argument. You're not going to sway me that Leaf is a bigger bust than Darko. But how about this guy? Let me throw him in. Where does he fit? Anthony Bennett. Oh, he's number two. Really? Me. See, yeah, because dude. to me, it goes back to your Jamarcus. Like, if if well, Anthony Bennett, there was no one else to take. Go look at that draft. It's anybody just, could anybody would have been a bust at that number I, I agree but it's like nobody thought he would go remotely close to number one like when we i remember Who, watching anthony, that draft anthony bennett anthony bennett but that's I my point he, that's why he, he can't be number a, one i was that's like why he can't be a bust it goes back to what you were saying jamarcus russell only the Cavs saw him that way and i don't even think the Cavs did because they were like there's no one else to take let's go with I the high potential him he was a big guy that had some handles that right. he could shoot but yeah, I think right. he's up there. I mean, I think him and Darko are kind of interchangeable. I think Ooh, Darko. See, see I no, disagree. I, you I think keep well, here's, Anthony Bennett. Thing, Anthony thing. Bennett was not he, the biggest Anthony bust. Ben, by far. Anthony Bennett was supposed to be all right. This is our post-LeBron move. Oh, that was Kyrie. There's no doubt. That was, Kyrie came first. No, but Anthony Bennett was looked at as like all right. He's he's got that kind of talent where it's like the skill set is there. We can't compare Darko's bust to the bust of Anthony Bennett. All right, so, go ahead. Next question. Then. Sorry. All right. So we have all heard by now that Live Golf has become somewhat of a competitor, or at least a nuisance to the PGA golf in the legal realm, on the course, all around, financially. However, should the NBA and NFL be worried about something similar happening to their league? So JT, oh, this is a JT question for sure. Is the public investment fund, which is the sovereign wealth fund of Saudi Arabia, a legit threat to competing with the NFL or the NBA? You're always going to blame me. Um, long term. This is your type of question. You're making up questions now. Then why are you, if it's my type of question, you can always say no. Uh, they told me in a pre-production admit, meeting. Admit it. Admit they it. Said, you think, you they think said my questions we, we are interesting and they make this show go around. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So you can go on your crazy tirades and people give you likes and views and disagree with you. The, so, in the pre-production meeting, they said, we got to do this question. I was trying look, to cut it out. Long term, I, I do think, because anybody that has money can do anything they want to. So golf, 
<laughs> you, see, you see how it's working with, with PGA. You got money, we'll show up. Doesn't matter what it is. Now, NFL, I think it's a little bit harder just because I've seen a lot of people with deep pockets try to supplant that league, and it's never come close. So I think that's a little bit of a longer play, and I think it'll be more difficult. But NBA, I think that's something that could happen if they really wanted to do it. Basketball, less roster space. I think it's easier to start a basketball league. I think it's easier to start a basketball system because it is such an international game where, yeah, I think NBA should be worried that, look, they might be willing to do the things that you guys won't, and they could be like, all right, cool. You're getting paid all this money in the NBA, but we can match that or pay you more and we can do different things with exposure. So, yeah, basketball, I think they should be a little bit worried if this starts to be a trend. But NFL, I think that's just that's a tough task. Like, I've just seen that fail too many times. Yeah, no, I, I don't think it's a legit threat. No. Um, you mentioned some good points. Listen, either of those two, football or basketball, they could start a league and get one or two stars. But history will always be on the side of the teams in the league history in terms of you mentioned it prior leagues right usfl failed cba failed the xfl like the, the xfl Twice. the aafl has failed arena football had to like come back in a different version with less teams so they've always failed to those two rival leagues in history they've also failed in terms of history and traditions of teams i think we underestimate how fans root for specific teams and franchises based on history. Well, for football, for sure. But basketball too, like the Celtics, Lakers, people. Let me me get to it. Let me finish and then you can make your point. Celtics, Lakers, New York. You know how bad JT the New York Knicks have been? And people still talk about them. I still see their merchandise being worn. It's unbelievable. Like how, why? You look at you look at Pittsburgh people, the Pittsburgh Maulers, JT, USFL, it failed. And again, the Maulers again, people wear Pittsburgh Steeler gear. They're not wearing Pittsburgh Mauler gear. And you go to basketball, it's about tradition and teams. Like if there's another league that started, I we don't watch all this sort of basketball, do you? Like some people are now watching the summer league. But that wasn't always a thing. I've been watching so, the summer league. I just think basketball. We is, have. We have. But it's easy. Well, well, the big three but, proves you're but, wrong. But this is my big last point. Go ahead. This is my last point, And I think you're trying to get to it. But I'm going to kind of stop it right there is. The social and political aspect of it. And I think there would be too much pressure and criticism if players took a little bit more Saudi money than staying and taking money from the Boston Celtics, the Phoenix Suns, you know, the rest of the American public, because you look at what Tiger's would what Tiger Woods did or didn't do. He didn't go take that high nine figure. They're talking about, they were almost offering him a billion dollars to join the live tour. And you know what he said? He said, no, you know why, JT? Because he some already people, got it. <laughs> but, but some people can say he already got it. But listen, a billion dollars is a billion dollars. Like, he's not Elon Musk rich. Let's face it. You know what I mean? He's not Bill Gates rich. But yes, Tiger is very well off. But a billion is a billion dollars. But the reason why he didn't take it, JT, was he knew he was the face of the PGA. 
He knew he had already been through the media backlash on things. He didn't want to add this because he knows about the money. I mean, you have people that were boycotting that live event in Portland because who backs it and who funds it. So you don't think if this was happening to a more prominent sport and players, LeBron would never do that. Like LeBron is the face of the NBA like Tiger. LeBron's not leaving because he knows what that would do to him even further as far as his image and brand. I agree and, with you. And I agree with you. You might think over time it lessens, but I don't think it will. Once these guys, NBA, NFL, sign with them, it would now definitely be brought to the forefront in a lot of criticism and backlash. And those guys don't want that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it, this is definitely not for the current stars because like like LeBron, his legacy is the NBA. Like his partnership, everything he's going to do for the rest well, of the Well, let's look down the line. What about Giannis? You think Giannis would no, do but that? It, I don't see not, Giannis doing not, like that either. It's not, it's not anybody that's a current like superstar right now where like they're set in the NBA. It's the next generation of players because basketball is such a viral internet global sport. You can get guys from anywhere. Like guys go, guys are guys are skipping college to go overseas anyway. So if you're if, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. If you're telling me but it's so, with the uh, ultimate let, let, goal, let me, let me the ultimate goal let, to come let me back to the NBA. Let me finish. Let me finish. So if this is where this is where I think it could be a problem for the NBA because the big three shows you that a basketball league can can make it because it's about the actual players and person and personal, you know, individual personalities. Guys are guys were already starting that thing where, okay, look, do I go to college or do I go play overseas and make money? Now the G League kind of took that 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 path away. But here's the thing. If I'm let's say I'm the number one high school player in the nation, I'm Zion Williamson. Do I go to Duke or do I join the live NBA team and they pay me 50 million dollars right out of high school? Like you telling me in the the age of NIL that you're going to have top five-star recruits turning down $50 million contracts or whatever they're going to offer them. Like, no, that's a legit threat. And guess what? If Zion, let's use Zion as an example. If Zion's like, all right, cool. I'm not going to go to Duke. I'm going to go to live. You don't think people are still going to be over there watching him dunk on people? Of course. No. Yeah. You crazy. No. Cause I watched but him this, dunk on five-year-olds in high school. But this is the difference. You might watch it, but you're not going to be as invested and what's he going to do? He's going to sign a two-year deal, a one-year deal, and then come back. The sustainability. So if, he's already, if he's already making more than he would make in the next two years anyway. But he's going to come back because you know why? Believe it or not, you may not want to believe it. It's about legacy. You never, you are never going to be compared with Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Magic Johnson. If you're playing outside of the NBA, you're just not. You are not. Sorry. That's no, what we'll it's see. about. We'll see what happens. You, hey, look, I think, leg I legacies think, change over time. But the NBA legacy does not. That's the difference. So, uh, JT, think... we have all these great guys that never made it into the NBA but are, are playground legends. I mean, they possibly could be better than some of the guys we mentioned. How come we never talk about them? It's because they didn't do it in the NBA. All I'm going to say, and then we can we can wrap this up. Is... No, and another thing. Live, live, listen, you go down this road. We got to make the argument. Let's finish the argument. Live golf tour is on the zone. Are you going to pay a yearly, a, a monthly? Yeah, no, it's called the zone. 
It looks like dazzling, but it's the zone. It's the zone. See, you're not a boxing. I thought that was was pizza. You're you're not a boxing guy, which we're going to get to in the next segment. So relax. We're going to talk boxing in the next segment. All right. So you've got live golf on the zone. I have the zone because I'm a boxing guy, but no one else has watched the live tour. So at some point, yeah, they have a lot of money, but guys want to be seen. Like, are is 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 the I think golf is a bad litmus test for what you're trying what you're trying to argue. In theory, I think you're right, but it's a bad litmus test because golf is not a viral sport. But how is the public investment fund going to come over? Are you telling me they're going to have American teams? Because if they're going to stay in Saudi Arabia, I, I don't like, know. It's I not going to work. I don't know what the setup looks like. I just think it's easier to start a basketball league. And if you have money, you can do it. And I think the way they should do it is you should just go straight at the high school taught recruits and just get them to keep, just pay them, get them to come over there. Because guess what? That's see, going to be the talent that replaces see, the current talent. In I the- agree. But CJT, the difference is the difference is Zion doesn't come around every year, right? Like who's the top recruit this year? Who was it last year? Who was it the year before? Yeah, Zion's going to come around. You're right. But you can't make the league on one guy like that. And you look at some of these other guys that come up, you're like, yeah, that's the next that's the next big guy. But Jaden Ivey, you know why he's popular? It's because what he did in the NCAA tournament. No one knew who he was before March. Let's put it this way. Let's just say if, if this had happened when LeVar Ball had all the ball sons, like they would have went, they would have gone to this league. And, and they would have never came are, back. They would have never went, are, came back to the NBA. And, those are th- and guess what? They wouldn't have had to because they're already viral. They would have been making tons of money and people would have been interested in what they're but doing. But JT, no one would remember them in history. Bro, you see, that's the thing. You, you, you're, you're so old. And, 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 I, and, I am not. And you're, for the, Bro, for the moment, we're debating for, LeBron and MJ. Read debate. Hold on. Time out. Time out. Time out. I get Read the debate LeBron and MJ. Every episode, don't call for the, me. For the moment, yes, it is about legacy because guess what? Money is not readily available for people to play it at the highest level any way they want to. The NBA is the is the biggest way to make money on the planet playing basketball. That's why everybody tries to get here. There's never been anyone to challenge them to make that much money. And here's the thing: this new generation, you you're overestimating how much they care about legacy. NIL is showing you that they are about the money. So I'll leave it at that. You can go on with your thoughts. Whoa, whoa, whoa. How does N- – no, hold on. We'll get to boxing. Hold on. How does the NIL you – keep, You're keeping our, our guests waiting. Be, be, because how does the NIL show that history and tradition don't matter? We've had how many guys go to group of five that are a top 50 player? Tell because me. That's, how many? Because that's their only way to get to the league. That's why I said football is harder. Basketball is not because – those guys, because so it's JT, a viral. Why isn't the J? Why isn't the G League blowing up? Top guys are going there, but why is it not blowing up? I don't see it on mainstream ESPN. I don't see it on FS1. I don't see it on ABC, NBC. I mean, there's there's nothing going on in the. I summer. mean, I'm pretty. If you really want an honest answer, I'm pretty sure there's a vested interest between the NBA and college basketball to not have that overtake college basketball viewership but that's just me the g league's part of the nba the nba would want that the nba makes no money off of the ncaa sorry they don't they don't 
All right. Are you done losing to me? Because I feel like I, uh, I, I, I feel like, I feel like you're just that old guy. Get off my lawn, bro. Money I've talks. Ne- I, I have never. Money been... talks. Guys oh, will follow. The, wait, does it? Because I see a lot of guys still on the PGA tour not going over to live. And live offered them a some, lot more. I saw some familiar faces on live though. Ah, who? Who? The guys that are washed up that haven't won a major in years. Yeah, tell the me. draws that people actually know and would pay to go see. Oh, did you? Are you buying the zone to watch them on the live tour? I can't afford it. I'm poor. What do you want me to say? This hey, doesn't, this and you, and you want those guys to go over there and make all those millions? You'll never Don't get watch all your money, NBA. guys. Don't listen they'll, to this dude. He's he gonna have you play. He's gonna have you riding the bench for the Boston Celtics <laughs> when, when you could be going making money in the live NBA for fifty million. So don't listen to him. He's so Kirby smart. He's anti wow. anti nil anti Bro, get your money. I have always been the guys nil make your money get the bag. Unless I've you're always been back. player friendly. Unless you're a running back, just be broke. <laughs> You know, so funny. He wants everybody to get your money, and if you're running back, he's like, "Just do it. Just play the game you love." That's his speech to running backs. <laughs> That's not true, man. Love the running backs. Love the running backs, man. All right, so JT, on to the boxing segment. Let's welcome in our in-house resident boxing expert to help preview the big boxing matches the rest of the summer. Um, And into the early fall, Uh, he has a professional boxing record of 3-0 with three knockouts. He has his fourth career fight coming up August 6th at Maryland Live Casino. We'll we'll let him uh, promote that a little bit. Uh, He's also, JT, he's also a graduate of Dartmouth where he played football. And, And looking this up a little bit, doing our research, he finished Top 10 in school history in both receptions and receiving yards. All right. So from Washington, D.C., let's welcome in Victor Vicious Williams. Vic, how, how are you doing today? And thank you for coming on the show. Hey, 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 I'm doing good. I appreciate you doing that research, you know, hyping me up a little bit, bringing me back to the glory of football days. Um, but, you know, I'm also equally excited to talk boxing. Um, August 6th, got the fight coming up. I can't wait. It's going to be a great show. So pull up, um, like you said, at Maryland Live Casino. It's a championship uh, uh, show of card, uh, I guess, uh, um, uh, card. And so it's going to be a lot of high-quality fights on it. Um, you know, it's, good. it's definitely going to be a good time. Good stuff. I've, I've been out to them before, JT. They, they do not disappoint. Like, great action, a lot of fights. Um, I like it because – some of the guys are local guys to the DC DMV area, so so it's pretty cool. Um, it's cool. it's good luck charm if you're going though, because I feel like last boxing match I saw live, everybody left left on the canvas. Every every fight was a knockout, so I, it's probably going to be the same thing. So so the champ, I feel like he's going to win by knockout now, just because you're in the crowd. And and Vic, how um how can they find you on uh social media so they can they can follow you and see all of your highlights and and you know, your, your gym as well. Yeah. You can follow me uh, uh, on Instagram at the boxing guy. Um, there's two G's there and you can follow my gym page. I'm a gym owner as well at fight shape fit. Um, so yeah, you know, we teach the sweet science. I'm also a certified nutritionist, certified strength coach. Um, and so we, we do holistic nutrition and all that good stuff. So, so yeah, that's where you can find me. 
I got I got to get back in the gym, Vic. But we're, we're not here to discuss me. <laughs> oh, talk can, about can, that. Can we can we discuss that, man? Like, no. I, I like I like how we have an expert on the show right now that not, not only can beat you up, but he can also beat you in the SAT as well. So <laughs> that is very that's, true. That's a hell of a that's a hell of a combo that, right there. That is very true. But you know the great thing about having him on JT, I don't got to listen to you answer questions for like you know the next 20, 25 minutes. All right, so. So just, you know, take a drink, do whatever you got to do, JT. Let let the pro go at it here answering these questions. So, Vic, are, are you ready? Oh, yeah, let's jump in. All right, so Triple G, Canelo, September 17th, T-Mobile in Las Vegas. Does Triple G have a legit chance to win this third fight after not winning? You know, they had the draw, then he had a loss, the first two. Um, and if he does have a legit chance, you know, there's always the, the, the puncher's chance. But if he has a legit chance, what are, you know, one or two keys, keys to victory for him? Right. I mean, like you said, like, I, I think there's always a legit chance, even more than a puncher's chance, because, look, let's be honest, Triple G is a phenomenal boxer um, and a phenomenal fighter. He's got a lot of power. Um, but the power didn't really seem to bother Canelo too much in the first two fights. So I, I think his keys to victory, um, I'll give you three. I'll do you one better Ooh, than two. Okay. Um, is, is the first is, is using his feet to turn Canelo, to turn him. Because if you look at the fighters that have given Canelo challenges in the past, they have been able to use their feet to keep Canelo from setting his feet to land them very, very explosive, powerful punches. I don't think, I don't think Triple G is going to get knocked out by him. You know, we'll see. He's definitely not going to get knocked out if he's using his feet to turn Canelo. My second thing, key to victory, is like he's got to use the jab often and off tempo because as you've seen, Canelo, he's very, very good at timing individuals. His head movement is phenomenal. So if you use the jab at the same tempo, he's going to time you eventually. He's going to catch you with some counter shots. So if Triple G can be intelligent with his jab, use it often and off tempo. And when he's not turning Canelo, using the jab to keep him from right setting his feet, it'll be it'll be a good night for Triple G. The last thing is he's got to go to the body. How many people do you see go to Canelo's body? Yeah, I'm trying to think if if Dimitri Bivol did. I, I feel like Bivol did, but that's that's kind of his mo, right? Bivol works does work the body, and and you saw that. You brought up a good point because I feel by the end of the fight, Canelo didn't have any pop to that punch, and a lot of it I think was because, uh, you know, like like they say, water in the basement, right? If you go to the body, Canelo. I mean, you go to anybody's body, they lose that pop, right? And Canelo's feet already aren't good. You know, so if you make him move a little slower, you turn him when you need, you pop the jab, he's not going to get into a rhythm, and it's going to be really difficult. It's going to be really difficult. Still, I got Canelo winning because I think that's I think that's just too much. <laughs> I think that's too much to do. Well, I was going to ask you, moment of truth, who you got? So you, you've you got Canelo. You just think, do you see it going the distance, or do you, because you've already made it sound like he's not too, Triple G's not concerned about Canelo's power, so do you see it? Again, going to the cards and Canelo getting the victory. Don't get me wrong. I didn't say he's not concerned about his power. You know, clearly these guys both respect each other as fighters in the ring, right? Mm-hmm. So they're not just going to go up, like, loading up on each other. Um, that's a good way to get knocked out. 
I, so, I, I mean, we'll see. I mean, it depends on how good Triple G's conditioning is. If his conditioning is similar or the, uh, to what it was in the past, I think it'll go 12 rounds. Um, yeah, because, I mean, looking at Triple G's past fights, it's not like he's taking any damage for real. So it's not like it's going to be any easier to, like, you know, just get him with that one shot, you know, unless there's something going on behind the scenes that we haven't seen. Yeah, and, and real quick to kind of cap this Triple G Canelo discussion, Vic, JT knows I always look at the Vegas lines. You know, I don't I don't touch them, but I, I like to look at look is at this, the, is this one of your look at I the don't gamble things, but I really gamble. I, things. I, I don't like, I, I don't gamble. Do I just like to look. Me. I like to look, look at the no, lines, if, see if, what if I you, would bet want, on. If you want some help and advice on your gambling, you know, just just ask. But you you, <laughs> you, you, you are a gambling person. You bring up yeah. Vegas every time we do no, something. I don't get it's just in my mind. What would I do? Right. But I think I think Vegas this time around is telling us Canelo's going to win easily because Canelo going into that first fight, he was actually the underdog at plus 130. JT, what that means is you had to only bet 100 to win 130, whereas Triple G was minus 160. You got to bet 160 to win only 100. Wow. This thank, time. Thank you for that explanation. Mr. I got to do I that every gamble. I got to do that yeah. every time, JT, because you always I, forget. I get you. But this time, going into this fight, Canelo's the favorite, minus three ninety. You got to bet. You got to bet three ninety just to win hundred. Triple G's at plus two ninety as the underdog, meaning you only got to bet hundred to win two ninety. Huge difference between the first and third fight. Maybe some of that is Triple G's age. Just saying, JT. Yeah, but I know how much it pains you because I know you're a Triple G guy. The fact that he said that, you know. He doesn't. You both say he don't stand a chance. Yeah, I expect. But let's yeah. talk. About, no, go, go ahead. ahead. No, no, go ahead. I, I was, gonna, I was gonna ask you. I was gonna ask uh, my man uh, uh, Donato. Why are you a triple G guy? I'm a triple G guy because I think he's always been straightforward. Right? He wants the best fights. Line them up. I don't care who it is. You know, he's willing to fight Canelo three times, and he's just always been about put whoever in front of me. I'm here to win. I'm here to fight. And I'm going to, and I'm going to put on a show. And that as a fan is, is what I want. And that's what I respect. So, you know, you know why he's trying to fight. Can he wants to fight Canelo three times though? Let's be honest. <laughs> the payday is that money. But, but Vic, you got to, but to his defense, he had always asked for the big guys. And you see a lot of these guys that are like 21 and oh, and you're like, yeah, but you're not willing to fight the 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 guy ranked right below you or or above you, and they always kind of go with that promotional. Oh, it's a promotional issue. Like that can be worked out. You know, if Pat if Pacquiao and Mayweather finally made it work, then I think anybody can make the the big fights work. Oh yeah, they could definitely make it work. But then it, you know, to play devil devil's advocate to that. So actually, let me say this: I 100% think that boxing as a sport has changed like when we go back to like the four kings when like Marvin Hagler was fighting Roberto Duran who was fighting Sugar Ray who was fighting Tommy Hearns and everybody eventually got the big paydays out of that um but but I think nowadays it's become like um you know very much so focused on the business and people are trying to like look at oh like well like does the risk outweigh the reward is the payday gonna make sense you know what I'm saying if it don't make dollars it don't make sense and I think a little bit of that is fair but ultimately, like if you call yourself a true competitor, like I agree, Triple G is, you're gonna you're gonna want to put yourself against the best. And and I think I think right now, like it is shaping up 
for that you know like um as much as we hate to talk about i will get it i'm sure we'll talk a little bit about ryan garcia and like his marketing and stuff like that is it seems kind of annoying but like at the end of the day like this is marketing and if and if and if it don't make dollars it don't make sense so why would you go put yourself you know at, at, at harm's risk risk your life if you're not really getting the maximum amount of money that you can get that's true that's fair He's a he's a natural man, just natural transition. So I'm just gonna flip the script on his head. I'm going straight to Ryan Garcia since you brought him up. So, do you think it's a smart move for him to call out Javante Davis after uh, the victory against Fortuna? Yes. Do I think he gonna beat Garcia? I don't know. I mean, beat Davis? I don't know. I doubt it. But if we're talking about intelligence. The man knows how to market like anybody that has a name as soon as they I don't know if you guys keep up with it. He calls him out immediately. And then like there's this big buzz that happens. Ryan Garcia, you know, and it's like he is building this following. So whenever you mention the people are going to pay that, you know, whether you love him or hate him, he's taking a page out of Muhammad Ali's book. He's taking a page out of Mayweather's book. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's like whether or not you like me or not, like you they're probably going to pay to watch him fight, pay to watch him lose, pay to watch him win. It don't matter. They're paying. All right. Well, I think I, it's intelligent. Yeah. I think it's intelligent. Absolutely. I think it's intelligent. Do I think he has a chance? I think he has a chance. Do I think he's realistically going to be tank? I, I don't know. I really don't know. Let me ask you this, Vic. You're getting into the ninth, 10th, and then the championship rounds, Davis and Ryan Garcia. Who would you have more faith in Davis? Yeah, I, he's, I, I agree. Yeah. Totally agree. He's I got mean, head movement, like he's got better. I think he has better boxing IQ. I think in the ninth, 10th round where both guys are starting to slow down. What do we think when we think Ryan Garcia? We think speed. Both of them have phenomenal power. Speed is power. Right. Um, but, you know, the way that Ryan Garcia is just kind of stagnant, he's always leaving his head in the middle. Um, we haven't really seen somebody who, um, I don't know. I don't feel like we've seen somebody who has like that combination punching that will, you know, will, will force him to make a mistake, you know, if he stands right there. I mean, he's, so I, I got Davis because, because we've seen him uh, fight fighters who are taller, who are bigger and throw and throw volume punches. He's moved his head. You know, he has great defensive acumen, um, and, you know, even, you know, later in the later in the fight, for sure. And JT, before you ask your next question, because I love having a boxing guy on this show. This is this is great stuff. Vic. This is great stuff. Now, I agree that it was a smart move, but is there some concern if you're in Ryan Garcia's camp? That, oh, man, if we make this fight, because now he called them out, if Davis's people say, all right, let's make it, Ryan Garcia is like, yeah, I want to fight him. You make the fight, and if Garcia loses, and loses kind of bad, let's just say, because he struggled before this Fortuna fight, right? Like, there was some doubt, and he kind of had to rebuild his brand. So what happens? He comes out in this Davis fight, gets beat kind of handily, where does that leave him in his career? That that's the only thing that I hesitate with saying, man, Ryan Garcia. I don't know if you should have done that just yet. Maybe get another fight or two, get another couple paydays in, and then go for the big one. The man got money. 
are you talking about? But you, you said that? it's always about money, right? With with Triple G, right? It's about that money. You you don't want to you don't want to empty the well too soon in, in his career, right? I go empty the well if he loses. If he loses, that's gonna tell people, oh, he's vulnerable, and then everybody is gonna want to fight him. So if anything, if anything, that gives him more fighting opportunities. Well, let me well, let me ask you a question on top of that. So let's say that let's say that fight does happen and you know Garcia comes out and loses, right? Do you think Plecton said because he's always, you know, selling wolf tickets in a sense, do you think like if he gets beat, he'll fall to like like you remember like uh like uh what's his name? Uh, Prince Prince Nassim, he used mm-hmm. to always fight. He was real showboating. It was like he was winning. And then once he lost, it was like, all right, cool. We don't want to see this anymore. Like, we don't want to see all the showboating if you're gonna if you're gonna lose. Do you think like him like riding that line of you know talking all this mess and then losing to somebody like a Davis will just like make him fall off and and that way it would be a bad move? Davis is a superstar. Everybody loses to Davis. So if 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 Ryan Garcia has one loss. No, like he's still gonna, he still has the opportunity. He's, was he 21? He still has the ability to bounce back. He has a long career ahead of him if he can stay here mentally. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, now if he drops that fight and he drops another fight and he's like, drops another fight and he's like 21 and three, it's like, all right, get this guy out of my face. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but, you know, but if he loses one fight to arguably the future of boxing or whatever, you know, and then he comes back and, you know, he's beating a lot of like, you know, high level guys. Then, I mean, he what, what all you can do is respect the guy for for wanting to fight the best. Like, you're not mad at Triple G because he lost to Canelo twice. I think he lost first fight, too. Really? Yeah. And I, I thought it was close, but I, I thought Canelo commanded. I, I thought ring. I look at ring generalship. I look, you know, was Canelo moving backwards a lot? Yeah, but he was boxing. Like he when he when he got on the ropes, he wanted to be on the ropes. It's a difference between you know what I'm saying like you know being forced on the ropes and you know mm-hmm. being flustered. Like that's not what that's not what was happening. So people were people who thought Jet Triple G won the fight. They were saying, "Oh, Triple G was moving forward and forcing the fight." Well, Canelo was just boxing. I thought he outboxed him, and I think that comes down to your like what what do you like to see when you fight when when, when you when you watch fights and and that's all opinion. When I know you're a busy guy, Vic, when you've got time, you and I, we've got to watch that first fight together then. Cause I want to know the analysis, the breakdown round by round, why you do think Canelo won. I'm not arguing that. I just think that, man, I mean, if, if they, if the judges felt it was a tie and listen, Canelo had the bigger name even back then. So I feel like they probably gave him a round or two because it was Canelo. So that's why I'm just interested to see round by round where, where you felt that or why you felt that Canelo Canelo yeah, I should won. definitely do that. I feel like you should do it and put it on like a live somewhere <laughs> where everybody can everybody can see how wrong you are and like what a true professional thinks. <laughs> now so look like I wasn't mad at the draw. Like when the fight was over, I was like, all right, that's fair. Like I wanted because I wanted to see another one. You know what I'm saying? It mm-hmm. wasn't like cut and dry enough to be like it was flat out Canelo won. You know, it was just like man, that was a phenomenal fight. Mm-hmm. Based on, like I said, my preference of fighting, I thought that he had more ring generalship. I think it's fair to see like, oh, Canelo hasn't moved backwards that much in the past. So if you're, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, it, does that say something about Triple G 
not necessarily beating him up, but forcing him to give up ground more than he ever had before. I think that's a good argument. So, you know, I wasn't mad at people, you know, or like, you know, vehemently disagreeing with people who said that Triple G won. But like, personally, I thought that like Canelo kind of outboxing him a little bit. So I'm down to watch it. I'm down to watch it together. All right, have that's, I like that. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right, y'all, y'all do it. I'll, I'll set up all the technology stuff so that way, that way we can have you know Don embarrassed in front of hundreds, hopefully thousands of people. Word. So, so we've been talking about you know basically all these super fights and who do you think is going to win. So Don always says he has a saying where it's like you know I like drama. You know these are JT questions, and I like to say I just like you know challenging questions to get good reactions. So. We're going to talk about super fights. So I want you to throw out, let's say, if these particular fighters have, you know, obligations or whatever, there are obstacles. Give me two fights that you want to see made by the end of this calendar year. Crawford Spence. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, and we talking about realistic or like that I like that I would like ideally like I would love to just see. I think, hey, look, if you're asking me, I'm saying the crazier, the better. Like, don't listen to him. Like, he's he's too he's too mild sometimes. Like, if it's some crazy fight that you want to see that you were like, hey, look, this needs to happen. Yeah, throw it out there. I don't think it's going to be realistic, but I would love to see Canelo versus Jamal Charlo. Ooh, OK. That'd be an interesting one. What at, Charlo, at what at what weight do you think it would it would have to be at? Super middle, like super middle, because you know I think Canelo's last fight when he fought Bivol, what he fought at it was at one seventy five. I think so. That was a little. That was a bit of a stretch for yeah. for Canelo, and Jamal Charlo usually fights at middle, and he's six one, so he definitely got a frame for fighting that you know going up a few pounds. Mm-hmm. He wasn't mad at that, and he been and he been trying to get that Canelo fight for for years, I, and I. I think he's the only person that really has the boxing skill that dog in him, you know what I'm saying, enough to like really apply pressure on, uh, you know, like in a way to like at, at, a, at a reasonable weight class in a way that like Bivol did, you know what I'm saying? Like, and, you know, I would just love to see that fight. I would just love to see it. It's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, sign me up for it. I'd, I'd get that pay-per-view for sure. So mm-hmm. I like that. So that means yeah. Vic is not trying to see this Joshua Yusick fight. Like I was, I, I was like, all right, cool. He'll say that. That'd be a perfect segue. <laughs> you know what I mean? But so we'll talk about. So let's talk about that fight. Who do you think wins that fight, and why? I think Usyk wins it again. Um, because I just think he's overall better. Like I think he's better. Um, um he has more versatility um you know in terms of his arsenal like he understands how to switch up his rhythms and like change his game plan if fight he gives angles and he has the ability to adjust quickly adjust based off of what his opponent is doing where it seems like in the past like joshua like he has a plan and like if that plan don't work then it just kind of don't work. And it, it just, you know what I'm saying? Maybe he'll come with the next fight. I'm curious. You know what I'm saying? Like, it takes him like a whole fight. Like, he got to get a rematch just to change his plan. You know what I'm saying? Whereas, like, you know, Usyk, he can do it. Like I said, he can adapt. He has adaptability. So I think that even though Joshua might come into the fight with a different game plan, like, what happens if that game plan is not working in the first three rounds? Like, mm-hmm. it's, like in the past, Usyk can change it. Can Joshua in, in the middle of the fight? 
I don't know. Um, so I, I think Usyk is better. I think Usyk is better. I would I would want to see Tyson Fury beat the mess out of Joshua. I, I would say that's my honorable mission, uh, mention for Super Fight. <laughs> I want to see that free fight, that free for UK. That would yeah. be it. Yeah. doing that. But like, I ain't got no would... faith in Joshua, so don't even ask me. Like, I just I just think he he like that. He like the the you know looks like Tarzan. You know, it's not don't necessarily work out that way. Like he yeah. he just so disappointed to me, just from like an overall standpoint of like when you think of all right, cool. For me, like heavyweights are like Tyson. Like they look like that. I'm like, yo, Joshua is like, he's like a physical specimen. And then, yeah, Tyson Fury out there just would destroy him. Right. And 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 I think I think I think that that's largely key to his handlers, like Joshua's handlers, because he's an Olympic high level fighter, you know. And then he and if you saw him, like he was kind of more lean, and you know, back in those days. And then it's like his it's like his strength coaches were just like let's get brolic. You know what I'm saying? Like that's supposed to make him a better fighter. You know what I'm saying? Like he just got really buff and like stiff. And, you know, I mean, I honestly think that, or I think that the, like, I guess the conception that like fighting outside of the U S like a lot of the coaches, they don't, they don't focus more as much on like the skill. You know what I'm saying as much. And, and so I don't know, like, it just didn't seem like, it just doesn't seem like his handlers like developed him as well as they could have like does he have the ability absolutely i mean that that shows based on his past but he didn't he didn't develop the right body and he and he you know damn sure hasn't developed the right like like i said versatility skill set boxing iq in my opinion so i think i got i got usik vic is without <clears throat> getting into the the politics of it is there any concern that that you could see cuz i mean you've gone through training right and, and you've fought in, in fights for Usyk having to have postponed this match originally like July 23rd, they had it postponed um, for the reason of he needed time to train because he was in the military. Right. And he's got all this stuff going on at home. Can that play on a boxer mentally? Um, is there any concern? Cause Listen, you, you, if you do make a mistake against Joshua, I think he has enough power to make you pay and enough skill set to make you pay. Um, at the same time, I do think Usyk's the better boxer. But is there any concern that Usyk may just have other things going on as he's trying to focus in, in, in training? Yeah, like he won't be ready. No. That's why he can't. That's why he delayed the fight no. in the first place. <laughs> I just ask it. Hey, we, we gotta that, ask. We that, gotta that's ask. That's exactly the type of faith I have in Joshua, right there. Like he's just like no. You know, I mean, no, no, I'm not saying Joshua doesn't have a chance. You know what I'm saying? Right. I I just think that like if we're talking about like is is Usyk having these like external things going on? Like is that gonna cause him to not perform? You know, of course, like there's always that possibility. But if we're looking at it like right now, like he's obviously not stupid because he obviously had a lot going on. He has a lot going on. So he postponed the fight. You know what I'm saying? It's like, so he's making the right decisions. It seems like he has a good team in his ear saying like, is this the right time to fight? Do you really think we should? Yeah. So if he postpones the fight, all he needs is eight weeks. He probably don't, all he needs is six weeks Mm -hmm. at his level as a league contender to focus, lock, lock people, lock the unnecessary things out of his mind, you know, because at that level, like you don't got, it's not like he has to like hone in on his technique so much. Like, it's not like he doesn't already have the skill set. 
You know what I'm saying? It's just a matter of putting in time. It's not like he has to like develop the certain dog that it requires. Like he has the dog. When you a dog, you always a dog. You always walk around with that, with that. Mm. You know what I'm saying? It's just whether or not you turn it on. And and at the, an elite level, like you have the ability to turn it on or or to be a nice guy. You know what I'm saying? And and so it's for him, it's just a matter of putting in the time to train without distraction. That's all I think it is personally. I don't, I, you know, and so, and uh, yeah. Okay. Hey, that's why I asked the question to the expert. I, I want to know the answer. You know, I want to know what, what is going down, you know? So mm-hmm. Vic, this is, this is the question I've been waiting for. All right. So, you know, ESPN's got Andre Ward, HBO back in the day had Max Kellerman. Listen, JT and the Don, we've got Vic Williams to give us his top five current pound for pound list. However you want to do it. If you want to go one to five or build a suspense and go five to five to one, however you want to do it. And then we'll actually listen to JT's list. So hopefully I can make, make fun of my list is bit. probably trash. So I don't even know why you're trying <laughs> nah, to don't, don't try to, don't try to the no, lessen no, the blow. All right. You, you, now. You, Come you, on. Strong no, and no. He's he doing this on purpose. He is not trying to be supportive. uh i think it's hard not to put terrence crawford at number one um and then um you know as i'm looking at my list now it's like honestly like got a little bit i forgot one it just popped in my head number two um i'd have to say shakur stevenson um man i think that i i I think he's just phenomenal Uh, number three canelo alvarez number four This is where it gets hard. Number four, um, Anoya Inouye. Number five, Errol Spence Jr. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, man, Errol Spence Jr. is just a dog. Like, he's just a dog. Like, I don't – and then, I mean, if I had to go, like, a, like honorable mention, like, I'll also mention, like, Jamel Charlo. Um, I really like him. I, you know, I really, I really like the way he fights. I think he can be a little wild sometimes, but – you know, that's what makes it entertaining. That's that's a solid top five. And what my my outside of you, outside of you, my favorite boxer outside of you, Vic, is has become Shakur Stevenson. So I'm glad you saw him at number two because I have him on this list. And I was like hesitant because guys seem hesitant to put him in the top five, even the top 10. And I'm like, I don't know why not. So um, JT. Do you, do you want to go next? Yeah, I mean, that's a tough act to follow. It is. Like, it is. That's why I want you to go next and not me. <laughs> to soften the blow between yeah, that's, that's right. Whatever, so we can't make fun of mine too much because I'm following you and not Vic. Um, I definitely don't have Shakur on my list, but I mean, he there's a case for him to be on there. But I'm just going to run through this real quick from five all the way to one. Um, five and four for me are, are kind of interchangeable. Um, I got Spence at five. I got Crawford at four. Really, I'm just impressed that you know, Spence had the accident. So I'm, I'm just impressed. He's still, you know, doing his thing. Um, three, it's, it's just, I just love the guy personally. And I think he doesn't get enough respect that he's an actual boxer. Cause everybody looks at him as like, like kind of like a, like a freak show, but it's Tyson Fury, man. Like I just don't see a lot of people that could beat him, man. And it's because he is so big and he does, you know, he's, he's an artist when it comes to boxers. So I got him at number three. Um, Inoue, number two for me, I think he's special. I mean, he's smaller, but I mean, bro, power. I, he he could be number one 
like in three years to me. And it like, we'll be like, damn, we should have had him higher. And then number one for me is just, I don't know. I just, I just put him up there because I wanted to piss Don off. <laughs> I got Lomachenko at number one. Oh, <laughs> oh come on. <laughs> I just wanted to piss him off. But, but, yeah, I but mean, no, but, but, the, but the reason I put him at number one is because like he's been a, like a highlight reel forever, man. Like but, I just look at, I think about like, like prime Roy Jones, like whatever, like I see him like fight. So see, he lost to Tio Lopez. He, yeah, huh? exactly. And then Tyson Fury is retired, so you can't put him on the list. He didn't say that. He's he's, he's <laughs> he didn't say that. But look, Tyson could. There's no there's no retiring in boxing. You can always you know that payday is right. You're like all right, cool. I'm off the couch. So it, until yeah. until he you know officially is like, look, I ain't fought in like three years. I'm not buying. Yeah. Now, you know what, Tyson Fury, I, I think, you know, if I had to take one off and, and yeah, I think Tyson Fury deserves to be top five. I think the challenge is, is like he hasn't really had any competition. Like we talk about Mike Tyson, you know, like like the great the great like the, like the, the highlight of like the heavyweight era. Like he hasn't had the opportunity to fight like a lot of all time greats. But is that is that is that more of he hasn't had any competition or is that you just saying like he's just beat the mess out of <laughs> out of your boy the bronze bomber so much there's like 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 I mean if you if you if Tyson Fury was in this era like I mean those fights he's had with the bomber would be like you know people people thought he was the future of the heavyweight division cuz he was just Bron- knocking Bron- people out. But he but <sighs> bronze bomber would have gotten I can, we can't say that. We can't start to like compare eras. The thing is, like, where's the boxing skill? Like, if you're if you got one, if you got one thing, like, you're not going to be you got not, you're not going to be Lunix Lewis. You're not going to be George Foreman. You're not going to be Mike Tyson. You're not going to be Muhammad Ali. You, you know what I'm saying? It's like, really, with one thing like these guys is like, no, sorry. Tyson Fury, I think he could compete with those guys. You know, oh, that's why I'm sure, like, yeah. Hey, yeah. yeah. And 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 like, quite frankly, just based off of his size and the way he's smart, he'll rest Still. on you, put all put all his weight on you, tire you out. Like, yeah, I think Tyson Fury could be in that top, you know, that top echelon of all time great heavyweights. But don't don't try to talk to me about Bronze Bomber. Like, I'm not taking anything away from him in terms of what he's been able to accomplish. And he like, that man whole soul. <laughs> no, nah, nah, it's like his right when you got one thing you got you got a right hand and he got it don't get me wrong he, like he's able to time it and all that but like you know if we're talking about all around like greatest fighters of all time like greatest heavyweights of all time like he just his skill is not there I'll, I'll ask you one more question because like wilder to me is one of the most just interesting case studies for boxer like period because mm-hmm. do you think that you would because I feel like I, I know I know where I think this answer is going because you just basically feel like his skill level is like lacking for any era. But do you think if let's say let's say Tyson Fury was never around, like where do you think Wilder's career goes like as a heavyweight? And then do you think it would be harder to say, OK, you know, I, I it'll, it'll be hard to say, all right, I got, I got to stop saying that he can't fight in other eras because he didn't run into a wall like Fury. I had that I had that like concept of him before he fought Tyson Fury. Um but damn you know so that, that was kind of my idea. It's like yo for not like I love to watch his fights. You know what I'm saying? Oh he don't I doubt he cares what I would say because you know what I'm saying the proof is in the putting the man that's made many millions over and over and, and beat top level fighters. 
but the fighters that he has beaten would not have competed with you know what I'm saying the fighters of you know the great eras and like you know what I'm saying like Tyson Fury when he took away his right hand he just looked like an average guy he just looked like a guy yeah I, I mean I do have Fury in the, in the top five you bring up a good point Vic is he retired is he not I I'm kind of with JT like I didn't even <laughs> think of that because like you know you got to give it two or three years before he's a fish like if he doesn't fight in three years then okay um I've got one Croft uh, number one is Crawford JT the fact that you have him at number four automatically as well it's your list like that's right. way too right. low for the guy Crawford's number Crawford's number one until someone beats him um I have Fury at two because as a heavyweight, I think we underestimate his boxing skills and it is there. Unfortunately, Vic, you are right that like for him, meaning Tyson Fury, unfortunately, when you're when you're in the heavyweight division, this isn't the 70s. It's not the early 80s when you had Holmes and Tyson coming up like, you know, the 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 talent there in the heavyweights, not quite the same. But then three is in a way um jt you butchered his name and, and you talk about i said in a you way. never saw a fight you never saw a fight in i said so in a way. i don't even hold, know hold, 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 hold on talk about we, which, we'll which, go which, back and listen to this you're after. Not, what you're not gonna do is try to throw me under the bus because you're like oh i know i know he's gonna be talked about i know jt don't know how to pronounce his name i said it. we'll go back and listen you butchered it it's okay <laughs> i won't put vic in between us but he knows what you said and then four, I've got, I think this is the only guy that you guys didn't have on the list. So Vic, maybe I'm completely wrong here. He's a little older, but I've got Arthur better Biev. What he did to Joe Smith Jr. And Joe Smith Jr. is a, you know, a decent boxer with some punching power. Better Biev just showed even at that weight. I mean, he can box. Like he's not just a fighter, a puncher, like he can box. So I've got better Biev four. And then I've got Shakur Stevenson at five. Had I known you were going to push Shakur number two, I would have moved Shakur up a little bit more because I thought five was already crazy. But I, Stevenson's my you, favorite. You're trying to cheat on the test. You're trying to cheat off the test. <laughs> no, Steve, Stevenson's better. my favorite fighter um, outside of Vic. Like when Stevenson's on, I, I like I like watching him. I kind of feel like he's almost that complete package for, for that division. And he's going to be exciting. Young, I think he's got a good head on his shoulders. So I've, I've, got, him, I've got him at number five. We better be a, he fought at 175, fights at 175, right? I, I think so. I think he's in that weight class with Bivol, I believe. Right. I mean, maybe I gotta watch more better BF, but I don't think he's better than Bivol. So if you gotta if you gotta put, if you put better BF in there, then you gotta put Bivol in the right. top five. No, that that's fair. And I debated that. And I just think right now, if we're saying today, not in a year, not in six months, because better BF is older and Bivol's younger. I'm just saying today, I think if they went into the into the ring, if I had to throw money on it, I put it on better BF. Not, that, you, no disrespect to Bivol. I think Bivol, I think Bivol is great. I, I you saw what he did against Canelo. I, I don't think he was ever in danger in that Canelo fight. Um, and maybe Canelo just kind of went up too high in, in weight, but bitter Biev, I think, is just oh, there's something about him that. I don't know if you want to get in a dog fight or a boxing match with that guy because I think he can do both. Yeah, that's fair. Better be yeah. All right, over Javante Davis, over over the Charlo. Listen, like, Davis, I like Davis too. He's a local guy, right from Baltimore. I'm just, yeah. I, I'm waiting for Davis's moment. I don't think he's had that yet, and I think when he gets it, he's in my top three. Once he, if he, if he knocks out Ryan Garcia or takes care of other guys in that in that division. 
then I've got Davis in the top three. I think he's that good. He can be that special. Yeah, I agree. I was kind of like, I was kind of like, I felt, I felt like crap not putting him in the top five, but it was yeah. like, man, I just don't, I just don't like Javante Davis is never going to fight Shakur Stevenson. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know if, I don't, that, if that ever gets made either. Yeah. And I don't really see him being Shakur Stevenson. Okay. Because if you, if you, if your only bet is to knock Shakur Stevenson out, you already lost. You're not gonna knock him out. Yeah. His feet, his distance control is too good. His footwork is too good. You're not gonna be able to hit him more than once. Like, like you're not gonna knock him out. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, I just think that's tough. Is it is it fair enough to say, and then and then we can go to the next next part with you, Vic. Is it? I think it's fair enough to say that boxing is in really good shape. I know at the heavyweight division, that's always a concern, but you know it's been a concern now for thirty years. But you look at all the other divisions. I mean, boxing is in really good shape, and I know people love UFC and MMA, and I'm not knocking any of that. But what bothers me, Vic, is when people knock boxing that oh, it's you know, it's going downhill or, you know, there's no one there to excite me. And it's like, you just haven't been watching. You're not willing to watch because there's guys there and they're fighting on ESPN, ESPN plus, like they're, they're, you know, FS1, like that doesn't cost money to watch those fights. And there's some really good boxers. So I, I think it's fair enough to say that. Right. And they're all in around the same weight classes. Right. Yep. So, well, quick question before you go on to your next question. That was actually a really good point that, you know, boxing is in really good shape and good hands. I feel that, you know, as a, as a casual boxer watcher. But how much do you think, you know, like Floyd post his career and, you know, like the like the Paul brothers, like how much do you think that's affecting the, the popularity of boxing? I think the Paul brothers are helping boxing. I think that it's both good and bad, like because like I think the bad parts of it is that yeah, you have these just celebrities going in and like making hella money no. off off of boxing when you have guys that have been doing it for 15, 20 years, really developing the skill set, struggling to make a living, working as construction workers, pizza delivery guys, right? Just struggling, you know. But on the same hand, on the other hand of that, like they're also bringing more publicity to block boxing and they are also raising the profiles of other fighters, real fighters that are on their card. Amanda Serrano, you know what I'm saying? Like one of them, you know, a few, you know, woman boxer is important to bring, you know, uh, uh, the skills that, you know, the skill sets that women bring to boxing into the limelight um, and, and just other people. So it's like, yeah, like they may be on the main card. Maybe they're not like really true contenders, but they are also bringing some good publicity and like marketing and like, um, um, I think awareness to just like the business of boxing and how grimy it's been for a really long time. Look, the boxing was run by the mafia into like the early nineties. You know what I'm saying? And so, you know, just bringing that to where to an awareness where, you know, like, you know, boxers, when they give their checks, I mean, when they, once they get their purse, they're usually giving over 50% of it over to their team, you know? So it's like, yeah, like you might see their purse 1.5 million. They bring it home 400,000. If, you know, if not less. Before taxes. <laughs> right. Before taxes. Right. Before taxes. 
So, you know, um, I, I think both good and bad. You, you brought up, a you brought up, I believe Amanda Serrano and the Katie Taylor fight. I think that might be fight of the year. Great fight. Right. I, I've got yeah. it right now. Six, almost seven months in. I've got that one as fight of the year. That was amazing. Yeah. I might need to go back and watch the full fight. I watched the highlights. Um, I'm one of those guys that are like, ah, oh, like with the 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 the, uh, the Paul brothers. I'm not I'm not paying for those fights. Right. You know what I'm saying? I'm not paying for those. Like I'll I'll go pay for like you know so those guys who have worked at it for a while. You know what I'm saying? Like I said, just because I I, f- I feel like I'm not putting money in their pockets just because they're good at, you know on YouTube. Um, um, but I so as a result, I didn't watch the entire you know the card. I just watched the highlights. I, I, I'll go back. I probably should go back and watch that full fight though. All right. Let, let me know. Let me know what you think. Hey, if you want to watch it together, I'm, I'm down for that, too. Yeah, I need film study buddies. So, you know. <laughs> well, I don't know if I would help you. I may be pulling you down because, you know. He might have a different opinion of you if you, if you <laughs> film study with him, man. <laughs> I feel like, I'm, you know, JT and I have been able to hold our own here, but we get into film study. It, it's, you know, it's not going to look good for JT and I. Um, <laughs> so last segment, Vic, we appreciate your time. Um we, we like to call this getting to know Victor Williams um, so that fans can get to understand you more and just get, just get to know you. So a couple questions. First, what is your like fight day routine? Do you have like a ritual? Um, let's take a second. Like, like while, while I'm not going to try to like, like take away from myself um as like a professional as like somebody who lives and breathes the sport of boxing i'm in the gym all day every day i film study every day i know boxing right but i only got three fights you know what i'm saying so my ritual is still being developed what i do right now is like kind of like i said earlier like i like i believe i got that dog in me so you know people saying like oh Vic, what are you doing the week of to prepare for the like i'm always prepared to fight you know what i'm saying it's just a matter of not being like conditioned so I'm I'm always here. I'm always ready here. So it's not like I have to do anything super special or like super like if I don't do this, I'm not going to be ready, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so no like specific specific like mental rituals or things that I feel like I miss out, like I'm going to have like, you know, a bad fight or like, I'm you know, I'm not I'm not superstitious. Um, so it's just really basic. Like I relax after I wake up. I usually can't. I mean, you know, I. I'm usually in the gym at 5, 6 a.m. So I can't sleep past seven. If I sleep past 7, 7.30, I get a headache. Mm. So, you know, I wake up at 7 a.m., you know, in the hotel or wherever I'm at, chill, watch some boxing, figure out a place to go get a really big breakfast, um, come back home, maybe take a nap, uh, watch some boxing, just chill, you know what I'm saying? Um, just real relaxed, have a decent-sized lunch. After that, it's about time to go to the, go, about time to go to the venue, you know, do all the testing and stuff. And it's just a continuation of just visualizing, you know what I'm saying? Like thinking about different potential situations, um, good or bad. Um, um, and just understanding the fact and just putting myself in the mindset to understand that like, I'm probably going to make mistakes. And and when that does like, you know, when, how am I going to respond? Because, you know, it's okay to make mistakes. And if you're in the ring with somebody who knows how to box, like they're going to hit you. What matter what matters is whether or not you keep getting hit. Um, and so, you know, it was just thinking about different situations, different scenarios, thinking about the person, 
that I want to embody in the ring. And, you know, what, who am I watching? It depends, you know, like I'm, you know, I'm usually watching some Marvin Hagler as my favorite fighter. Um, you, you know, usually, you know, if I like, it depends on like who I'm fighting, if the guy's taller, I'm probably going to be watching like somebody, uh, a fight, you know, where, you know, somebody who's fighting somebody who with a similar advantage. So I can put myself in that mindset to deal with certain obstacles. But that's about it. I like it. Someone once told me, if you stay ready, you don't got to get ready. And that, that's what it sounds like. So sounds like what Vic, Vic does. Um, <laughs> so the, I think you mentioned it already. Your favorite boxer of all time. Is that, is that Hagler? Yeah, I'd have to say more of a Hagler. I mean, because just because of the way that his style and my style kind of mimic, you know, each other. I've been told that I kind of fight like Marvin Hagler, or and it's kind of like Evander Holyfield a little bit. Um, and you know, just look looking at the way he boxes, it's like you know, I, I like I like I like his his the combination of everything that he brought to the table. Um, yeah, so I, I like yeah, Marvin Hagler is probably my favorite boxer. Is round one of Hagler Hearns the greatest round in boxing history? Oh my god! Yeah, it's hard to say it isn't. The most right. entertaining so, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can watch. I can watch that fight. It's only three rounds, JT. So you've got time. All right, it's three rounds. Put it on. I'm sure you've never seen Hagler Hearns, but you get you got to watch that one. Yeah, but if I got to watch it with you, that could take forever. You don't got to talk and pause and just, just you don't got to watch necessary things. Watch it by yourself. <laughs> <laughs> That's Thank right. You. Good. That's thing. Right. Good advice, Vic. I, I don't want to be trapped into having to spend any extra time with him. Also, watch it with the sound off. I mean, well, watch it the first time with the sound on, um, just so you can like get the full like entertainment experience. But if you really want to digest what's going on, like turn the sound off. He said, "Watch that all 22. There I've, we go. I've yeah, I've never watched it with the sound off. I'm gonna have to do that. That that sounds interesting. Because then um, you're no longer you're no longer swayed by the natural biases of the commentators, right? Or like or like the noise responses of the crowd." You know what I'm saying? You kind of get to really see what's going on and, you know, even watch it at 75% speed. Mm. Um, because a lot of times to the, uh, to the untrained eye, like things are just happening so fast. You're like, wow, I didn't even see that. Like yeah. it happens to me <laughs> sometimes. I'm like, whoa, like, let me go back. Oh, wow. He, way he, you know, it's, 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 um, it's, it can be very granular, you know, and nuanced. Nice. Nice. I'll, I'll, I'll have to do that. I'll let you, I'll let you know. Um, so you having, we mentioned earlier, played football, wide receiver, Dartmouth, which sport putting you on the spot here, these last two questions. All right. We're putting you mm -hmm. on the spot. No pressure. Which sport is more physically demanding football or basketball? You mean boxing or yeah. What did I say? Basketball. I'm sorry. Boxing. <laughs> I'm, I'm uh, nervous. See, I, I folded yeah. under pressure. <laughs> Um, I'd have to say, I have to say boxing, honestly, because it's just more encompassing, like football, like you have to be primarily explosive. Um, you have, um, you, you, you definitely like have the freedom of eating a lot more. You have, you have a, you have a team that you can also depend on, you know what I'm saying? And with boxing, it's like. 
you got to be explosive. You got to have a good cardio base. You have to be able to, you know what I'm saying, like be there. I mean, well, I mean, I guess say the, the mental taxation for boxing and football can be very similar. Well, actually, as a boxer, it's more mentally taxing. It's more mentally fatiguing as well. Because, again, you have 10 other guys, you know what I'm saying, that have all their separate roles that, you know what I'm saying, that go into me scoring a touchdown pass, right? It will be different if you're like a quarterback. Well, I play receiver, you know, so um, – um, yeah, boxing through and through. And then also there's the weight limitations. Like, so like with football, like you got to eat more, like it's usually pretty easy to eat more, but like, you know, having to like be explosive and powerful and like mentally there under like caloric restrictions is even more of a physiological stressor. So, yeah, I mean, listen, when JT doesn't eat, he gets hangry. So like, you know, I can, I, know I, can, not I, can, I can only, I can only imagine, listen, I can Bro, only imagine if, how if, hard if he, it is. If he can't order his 50% of Papa John's, they're going to have, it's always a problem. Oh, so I don't know. God. I don't know why he trying to come after me, man. You not know, Papa John's. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If, if he don't get the 50% of Papa John's or whatever dessert they're, they're throwing, like he literally turned into those Snickers commercials. Like <laughs> the same dude. Don't feed them, don't feed them, don't feed them for a day and see what happens. Yo, so, that's most of us though. You know what I'm saying? And boxers Thursday, you know, that the fight is on Saturday from Thursday night through Friday, five, six, seven p.m. Cause you got the weigh-in, you got mock weigh-ins, you got interviews. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, it's, usually it's at least 12 hours before you eat, I guess. Man. It's it's amazing. He already, he already out. He already out. He yeah, I, I tapped that a long time Can't ago. Do that sport. But but it is amazing what boxers got to do, like put their bodies through to 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 get ready for for the fight, not only in the in the gym, but like in the in the kitchen or, or lack thereof. Now, in our research, Vic, you scored a 60 yard touchdown reception, didn't you back in the day? I scored a couple. Yeah. OK, I believe one of them was 60. Don't be humble. Don't be humble. Listen, we got JT in the room. Everyone looks humble to him compared to him. Right? <laughs> so 60-yard touchdown pass. All right, what's a better feeling? 60-yard touchdown pass for a touchdown or just KOing a guy in the ring? Yo, hard to compare, very hard to compare. But knocking somebody out is, is, is definitely more of a spectacle. Because, again, like, you know what I'm saying, in order for you to score a touchdown, the line got to block for four seconds, the quarterback got to make the right read, and then, you know what I'm saying, like, then I got to make sure I get open, and then I got to catch the ball. There's a lot that goes into it, mm-hmm. but it's not – that is just beyond me, you know what I'm saying, whereas, like, you get into the ring, yeah, you got a coach, but your coach can't help you. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I'm saying? He could tell you, put your hands up. You know, you know what I'm saying? All you want. He can't get in there and put your hands up for you. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, you knock somebody out, like, that's just like, I did that to another human being. And like, it can even be scary. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it, you know, um, but, but, you know, there's not much more like empowering, like self empowering than this, like putting the dude on the ground, like knocking his ass out. Excuse my language. No, 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 no. say it. Talk okay. that. Talk that, please. JT has said worse on this show. So it's, <laughs> it's all good. You know, Vic, and, he, and you have said worse in public. <laughs> what what <laughs> difference? What? I don't recall. What? One last thing, Vic, because you bring up a good point where, like, you know, the coach is screaming at you, telling me, put your hands up. The funniest thing I always see is in the crowd. I, I don't know if you can hear it because when you're in the ring, I'm sure it, you, you can't hear anything, right? When you're that focused, but you've got people saying like, 
screaming, put your hands up. Oh, you got to punch. Like to me, it's like, you don't think the boxer knows that? Like, <laughs> you know, like you're not really telling the boxer anything they don't already know. So I kind of find it funny when, when that's what Rocky does. He always says stuff that's obvious. <laughs> I, I, I think, um, so one, it depends on your level of your level of um, comfortability in the ring, whether or not you can hear people in the audience. Cause Floyd used to talk to people in the audience for a fight. You saw Javante Davis in his last fight, like fighting Roley. He told somebody, shut up, right? <laughs> shut up. You know, like, look, at, like, if you're if you're really locked in and like you really do like my last like it was a you know, granted, it was a, a unfortunately it was an exhibition because of the guy who didn't want to fight me for real because um, my original opponent backed out. But, you know, it was an exhibition like I heard people in the crowd. Let's go, Vic. Yeah, touch the body. Yeah. You know, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm my coach is the voice that I hear primarily, you know, but. But um, it it depends. When I, my first fight, I you know I didn't remember much of anything, you know. But the more experience you get into it, um, you know, the, the more you can kind of take everything in, because it's it's frames. Everything is frames. So whenever whenever you, the first time you have like an experience, first time you compete, like it's like you almost don't even remember because it was just just one big thing that was in your face, and it was just it just went by so fast. But it's kind of like the same concept of aging. Like when you're one years old, that one year is 100 percent of your life. So it you know it takes a really long time. When you're 60 years old, that's a 60 that's a 60 of a 60th of your life. So it's like very very smaller. Oh, I feel like this past year went by so fast. Mm-hmm. So like like whenever you get more experienced, it's like you can you can dial in on the frames. Not everything is like coming at you so fast. You know what I'm saying? You can digest more, and that's what allows people to be able to to adapt and, and, you know, respond to the crowd or, or whatever. Yeah. I've, I've been the Vic's fights. They're a lot of fun. Um, Vic, uh, tell the fans and listeners again, when and where your next fight is and how they can reach you on, on social media to follow you, to see his, his videos, his highlights. Reach me at the boxing guy, T H E boxing guy on Instagram. Um, you can find our gym at fire shape fit, um, on Instagram as well as TikTok. We just created a new TikTok oh. trying to get in that wave. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, you know, DM me if you ever have any questions, you know, on boxing or nutrition or strength training, like, you know, I'm, I'm here as a resource. Um, so, so yeah, support me in this fight. It's going to be a phenomenal night. I'm gonna hurt this guy. I'm gonna hurt him. I'm gonna hurt him. They keep changing, they keep changing my opponent. The, the the freaking commissioner is like, you know, either like re- refusing to like uh, confirm opponents. It's, it's crazy. You know what I'm saying? It's crazy that they're they're a guy. It's really frustrating because there are guys that are also on the card. And my coaches is like saying, well, "Won't we fight the guy that he fought in the last fight?" And they're like, "Nah, they're turning him down because they're saying he doesn't have enough experience." But like, what do you mean? Like, you're letting this other fighter fight him, but you won't let me fight him? You know, and so it's really frustrating because it's like, I don't know, like, if the commissioner don't like my coach, if he don't like me, I don't know what the heck is going on. But my opponent has gotten changed two, three times in the last three weeks. So it don't matter. Whoever, whoever steps in that ring, I'm angry. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, you don't want to miss, you don't want to miss what happens. You're, you're going to make them pay. And Vic, the only explanation I can have looking from the outside, they just scared. They're scared. They're scared. Well, hey, I, before we go, I know this is I'm always off schedule, so I'm just going to ask this question anyway. 
Because I, I got the same idea based on you talking. They sound scared. They ducking. Don, would you get in the ring for one round with Vic for the coaching job of your dreams? You you get in the round. You get in the ring with him for one round. You survive. You can pick any coaching job at any level. Would you do it? I've been to Vic's gym. It's awesome. They're gonna work you out. They're gonna what get you drive by. They're gonna, they're gonna get you in shape. And even during that little session when he throw that jab and tell me to duck, I was like, yo, this this life isn't for me. So I don't know, JT. You may have to swing to the pot for me to get in an actual ring where he's actually throwing blows. That's why threw, I asked you. He that's threw why I asked a you. practice would you, jab would you with the go, mitt. Would you go and one I was round, worried. Would you go one round? <laughs> one round? I won't last one <laughs> round. For the coaching I, job of your dreams. I won't last there, one there round. That's five, what I'm trying to say. There's a five-year fully guaranteed <laughs> contract on the other end of that. I'm not going to make however, it. Whatever organs he rearranges. I, <laughs> Exactly. I'm not gonna make it to coaching after you Vic might. finishes I mean, me on one I mean, you punch. Might, you might, you might, you might talk nah. a little different in the huddle, but Vic, I mean, you, you listen, might make it. You never know. Vic's got to get back to training. All right, he doesn't need to listen to your so, nonsense. So, the answer to that question is no. So, to everyone <laughs> listening, that's how you know that Vic is legit. People are scared to fight him, and Don himself wouldn't even step in the ring for one round to coach anywhere at any level. So that lets you know that he's the real deal. Vicious. Vicious. Mm. That's right. Vic Vicious Williams. That was our guest boxing expert, Vic. Again, thank you very much for the time. A lot of fun. Great talking boxing with you. And and good luck uh, August 6th. Thank you, my guy. I appreciate the time. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can do it again. This is great. Yes, sir. For sure. We, We will have you back on. Don't you worry. Don't you worry. If not, you know where he lives. <laughs> <laughs> that I do. <laughs> hey, thank you again, man. All right. Appreciate y'all. To the fans and listeners out there, thank you for listening as always. And remember to please subscribe to us, JT and the Don All Sports Podcast. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and whatever platform you listen to all of your other favorite podcast and remember if you like what we do leave us a five-star review and jt if you don't like what we do leave us a five-star review and remember to please follow us on social media our handle jt and the dawn you can find us on instagram tiktok twitter and facebook so jt great episode man it was a lot of fun and until the next episode see you peace